Welcome to the very first episode of the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Aaron Varola. Hey, what's going on, guys? Ooh, I'm excited about today. So, uh, Aaron, <laughs> we're really doing this thing. We really are. You know, um, it's uh, I think it's long overdue, man. It's about time that we started to get our own little thing going here. And um, I know a couple of people have been asking um, for us to do a, a podcast, a show, so here we are. Welcome to the first anniversary episode of the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host, Aaron Verola. Wow. So it's one year and we're really doing this. I mean, I just listened to our first episode earlier today. And I got to say, man, for being your first episode, we had our stuff together. Um, Not to pat ourselves on the back. I have no idea how. uh, You know, the circle is now complete. Um, we've done our first year. It's been an amazing, amazing ride. Uh, we are on such an upward trend uh, from listeners and momentum and fan participation and all that good stuff. And um, we've got lots of good stuff, uh, more good stuff coming to you guys. So thank you for those that have listened from the jump. Thank you for those that are joining this crazy ride that we call the Fanboy Garage. And um yeah, we've got a we've got a good show for you guys today. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we we started this thing, we had no idea like what we were getting ourselves into, what it was going to be, um if it was even going to be anything at all other than that one episode and um you know, it, the only thing you could hope for though is that it gets better and it continues to grow. And you know, thanks to the the listeners and supporters uh and everybody out there, you know, the show has grown. And um, beyond, I think, even where we thought it would possibly go, Uh, although maybe I guess we were hoping that this is where it would go. But here we are a year later and uh, and we're still going strong and we're actually going to have uh, some guests on this show. And and the first 
two guests are going to be uh, listeners and supporters. Uh, three guests. First three guests, actually. Yeah. Listeners and supporters, uh, you know, who you've heard on the show before. And uh, so we're going to have them on because um, that's how we wanted to start things off. I think it's uh, fitting, especially considering um, the significance of one of those guests yeah. uh, here to the show. So let's um, let's, you know, not talk about us anymore. Let's <laughs> uh, let's get our first guests on. All right. So we have three special guests on the show right now in honor of the one year anniversary. You've heard them all on the show before. They were on our wrestling episode um, and you know we've had them on. We got Tavo, Nathan, and Phil here on the show. Welcome back to the Fanboy Garage, guys. Thank you. Hello, thank you. you. All right. All right. So Tavo, as we've mentioned before here on the show, is the guy who kind of egged us on to do this thing. Uh, Even though we haven't delivered the actual episode we were supposed to, uh, which was about musical scores, this thing was supposed to be a podcast about musical scores. We were going to do one. And we uh, now we've done a year's worth of podcasts, and we just never did one about musical scores. Yeesh. So, but think, we will. I think I'm just gonna give up on that. By the way, no, 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 no. We're gonna do it. We'll, we'll, we'll do, do it. it. We'll we'll do it. We've we've been kind of figuring things out as we go here, but we'll definitely yeah. get it in. And the other, no, Nathan. Now, uh, so we started out as a couple of fans that were listening to podcasts and interacting on Twitter, and then we decided to start this little podcast of ours. Now, Nathan, who is a listener to our show as well as other podcasts and has interacted you know, with us on Twitter, has started a podcast of his own. So that's really proud about that, and, and it's a really great uh, first episode. So, Nathan, why don't you tell everybody a little bit first about your, your new uh, endeavor? Uh, yeah, uh, actually I, I, the, all the credit goes to the actual host, Greg, uh, he contacted me to get it going, but it's called the, uh, super civil servants. And, uh, we just released the second episode today, actually on the today of the day of the recording Tuesday. Um, but we just, he just wanted to get together with somebody else to talk about all this other, just like you guys, you just like, we just want to be just a couple guys sitting around talking about all the stuff like as if we were sitting in the same room and you'd be sitting with your friends drinking a beer talking about it. So, I mean, we're not, we're not like a news show or not, but if you want to hear our thoughts on Endgame and the Spider-Man trailer and a little bit of the Umbrella Academy, uh, we started to review that. Uh, we've got two episodes out and I'm, I'm enjoying myself having a good time doing it. And I was inspired by listening to so many other podcasts like yours and God, I mean, there's there's a number, like you said, I, I'm a driver for a living, so I, I have all day to listen to numerous podcasts. Yeah, it's really good stuff, man. I uh, I know Chris and I both have listened to your first episode, and uh, quite proud of you, man. It's it was a great great Thank listen you. and uh, a really really in depth and engaging conversation. So kudos, man, and we're looking forward to more episodes for sure. Thank uh, you. I gotta I, I gotta start listening to them then. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta catch it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Great. It's, it's it's the only uh, the only stream no podcast room we're not on yet is apple podcast but we're hoping by that third episode we'll be on there but you should be able to find it on everything else good right right and then um i guess the last person good buddy of mine old friend uh something like more than 10 years i'm losing count of how long we've known each other but uh 20 almost 20 almost years. Tw- is it 20 years i don't want you wow, want you were a little off on that. I, dude seriously i mean uh yeah 
20 years. I'm dating myself. I'm old as hell. But uh, my buddy Phil always been in my corner uh, from jump on more than that's just this podcast in life in general. So, um, you know, one of my uh, uh, best friends and uh, very proud to have him on the show today as well. So Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate all the love. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's super important to have you three guys um, <clears throat> sort of kick things off for us here because, again, this is our anniversary episode. And, um, you know, we couldn't have done it uh, without the support of uh, the three of you and, and the support of, you know, our other listeners uh, on the show. So, you know, this is just our way of saying thank you to, to not only you three, but to everyone else who's listened and also, you know, show everyone that, um, you know, this is an open forum. We, we love to have, uh, you know, engaging conversations with everybody. So if you like what we, you're hearing and you want to join in the conversation on Twitter, or you want to be a guest on the show, you know, the door is always open. You guys are more than welcome to come to the garage and, and have that conversation. So, um, before, so before just, you continue, before you continue, I, I do want to say, um, there is another, uh, member here today. Uh, it's my week for her. So she just wanted to listen. <laughs> my daughter's here. Ariana, so aloha. Aloha. <laughs> aloha. Welcome, Ariana. Very nice to have you on the show as well. Look at that. We got a generational thing going on here. Yeah. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Good. And we, and well, we she's do... shooting her switch now, so I don't know if oh. she'll pay attention or not. She's so. going to fade out. But yeah. uh, yes, the fanboy garage is for the children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyways, all right, guys. So Let's kick things off. Let's get started. Um, you know, one of the main things that we wanted to cover is obviously something that has been the topic of conversation for quite some time. I know uh, Phil and Thabo, you guys have been a part of this conversation before, uh, just before the movie dropped. But Avengers Endgame continues its worldwide dominance at the box office. It is crazy how much money this movie is making. Uh and it managed to stay in the number one spot despite uh, the wildly successful Detective Pikachu, which is uh, by far the largest sort of video game uh, movie opening ever. Um, coming in at $58 million at the box office, uh, but Avengers Endgame, you know, still holding on to that top spot. So what do you guys think about that? How long do you think? Uh, I mean, we've got a couple more blockbusters coming down the pike with Aladdin and uh, and a couple of other films. How long do you think Avengers can hold on to the to the throne? At least until Aladdin comes out. I, then I think it's going to get dethroned. Uh, I agree. I think Aladdin is going to dethrone it. When does that come out? It, the 24th. Next, yeah. Uh, is it? I thought it was next week. That would be the twenty fourth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Then, Sorry. then yeah, I think I think that's when it goes down as well yeah. because if Detective Pikachu took this much money away, but but you gotta think it made so much money in the first two weeks. Everybody saw it twice or three times in the first mm -hmm. two weeks. So I think mm -hmm. when Aladdin comes, mm -hmm. people are gonna want to see what you know what what that's like, especially with weird looking Will Smith genie. But <laughs> I mean, people are gonna go along for that ride. So I think that's when it'll get dethroned. Mm. Do you think do you think John Wick well, three has any chance? Yeah, I was just about to say. Ooh, I forgot about that. John I Wick three. This is John Wick three opens this weekend as you know oh, your, as this episode drops, and you got to figure if Endgame has another fifty plus percent drop, which maybe it won't. It it's going to be somewhere in the thirty millions, and I I don't think it's out of the question that John Wick three could do over thirty million opening weekend. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's possible it goes down yeah. this weekend. But Which one? It, it said it's possible it does go down this weekend to John Wick 3, okay. but we'll have to see. I guess it depends on how far it drops. Pikachu has legs? or Well, there's some... that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of legs it's going to have, but... for that movie. Well, do you think there's any chance that you could get Aladdin 1, John Wick 2, Avengers down to 3? For the... In two weeks? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You, could, whenever could. that comes, you know, that you think... Or even, you know, just in that order. Yeah, although because I see that's, John that's Wick... People are going to want to see both of them. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that... Uh, I mean, question would be, wouldn't you think uh, Detective Pikachu would actually, in two weeks, maybe... Try to no, not number one, but try to overcome uh, uh, Avengers and maybe take that third spot. Mm. I know, right? <clears throat> Sounds like I don't know. Like it's it, once I said it, it's like oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if if that's gonna. I mean, <clears throat> so I mean, here's the thing. Back on, I mean, I, I don't know if you know what happens in Detective Pikachu, but I mean, there's there's some interesting. I guess world building that they did with with this story that some fans are kind of scratching their head about. So I don't know mm. how the fandom is is reacting to it. I'm not a big Pokemon fan. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to imagine that they came out in droves to see the film, given its success at the box office. Now, um, is it a must see film? Probably not. I mean, for the fanatics, absolutely right. But um, you know, let's think about mainstream audiences. Is it something that you know kids are clamoring about? It is, is Pikachu well, and even the po- you have a Pokemon kid that can franchise. That question. What? <laughs> what? You do have a kid that can answer that question. Ariana. So did you? Yeah. Okay. So Ariana, Detective Pikachu, yes or no? Eh, maybe. Nah, that wasn't. A, oh my god. <laughs> She's like, it's... I'm gonna play in the gray zone tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I don't think that um, you know after this week it it, pro- it might tumble slightly, um, and again, I, I think Chris, I think to your point earlier, uh, I think it was Chris, uh, it it made a, I mean, Avengers Endgame made a crap ton of money the first, oh, I think it was Nathan who said this, the first two weeks with repeat viewings and all of that stuff. So how long, how much longer do we think that it can kind of sustain that momentum? And if it gets, if it does have another 50% drop, I mean, that would put it just below uh, detective Pikachu. So I, I, I think John wick factoring that in, I think John wick might come in at number one. So just for reference, I, I say it's very close just between that and Endgame. Just for I think, reference, I think Pikachu slips off. John Wick Chapter 2 did 30.4 million opening weekend, just for reference. Mm. Um, so not I'm not going to look at the because I know the first John Wick was kind of like a sleeper. It didn't necessarily, oh, yeah. uh, it kind of yeah. picked up momentum as it went. So I think the second one is a little bit better. Um, indicator. Yeah. So yeah. if that now, if the third one grows on that audience, yeah, I mean, it, it could be in the ballpark. I, you know, it's going to be close. I think that if if it does come in at around thirty million, John Wick, I think Endgame is going to beat it. Um, but yeah. uh, it's going to yeah, be I, close either way. I'd say another. I'd say thirty-eight because that first one, like you said, it didn't do great at the box office. But when people discovered it on what Netflix or HBO or wherever yep. they found it, they everybody went apeshit for it. Yeah. it. Was like, this is great. Why didn't I see it? 
and it got that cult, you know, that cult following. When the second one came out, people didn't know because it was a sequel. Could it be just as good? And I mean, I thought it was. I, I can't wait to see the third one. I, I love that John Wick series. I think it's the best Keanu Reeves has been since The Matrix. I agree. I already have my tickets for John Wick 3. So. Yeah. Do you, do you really? I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow, man. man. I can't buy I'm with Adriana. I, I don't know. If, she doesn't like John Wick, so. Love them. Yeah, to me, the yeah, first I mean, John I'm, I'm Wick. The to me, the first John Wick is the closest thing we've gotten it in America to, like, John Woo's classic Hong Kong stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I I love everything about that series. As if Thanos you, ran into John Wick, I mean, I'd put money on John Wick. To be honest with yeah. you. <laughs> Absolutely. Aim for the head, double time. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of box office, you did mention Aaron that Pokemon Detective Pikachu is now the number one uh, had the highest grossing opening weekend of any video game movie. So I did go through the trouble of finding the list of the top 10 all-time video game movie opening weekends. Um, and uh, so, like you said, Pokemon Detective Pikachu's number one at $58 million. Number two is Lara Croft Tomb Raider at $47 million. The first one? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that's yeah. the first one, right? Okay. Yeah. And then the Angry Birds movie is $38 million. Uh, which I guess, yeah, technically is a video game movie, more like a. Which one was that? Yeah, and then Rampage, thirty-five million. Oh boy, The Rock. The Rock sold that one. Pokemon, the first movie, thirty-one million, uh, and then Prince of Persia: The Sands of Time, thirty million. Resident Evil: Afterlife, twenty-six million. Warcraft, twenty-four million. Resident <laughs> Evil: Extinction, twenty-three million, and Tomb Raider, twenty-three million. So there's the, That's top the second team. one, right? That would be the no, the Tomb Raider. I'm assuming is the this remake one, the right. reboot, whatever that yeah, just okay, came okay, out. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like uh, that was I don't that know. was epitome of bad movies. I've I think I've wiped better things out of my butt. Uh, there's no, yeah, you're not gonna get an argument from me in that one. I did not like. I mean, you know what? That was one of my because I'd been traveling a lot. I, I threw it on, you know, on the plane, and I was like, "Thank God I didn't waste any money on this movie." But it was it was it was funny because the thing is about that film, and I'm you know I know next to nothing about Pokemon, but you know I think it's it's interesting how they tried a couple of times with some of these you know video game movies to adapt exactly the story from. Um, <clears throat> from the from the game itself and sometimes or most times it just hasn't translated yeah. so you know the whole tomb raider thing was exactly a rip off of the new tomb raider uh franchise it's i guess restarted since it's moved over to the fourth generation consoles um and the same same with assassin's creed that was something that it, they tried to rip exactly off of the off of the video game and th- these things flop you can know? i interject I think you can absolutely do that, but they they take the wrong lessons from the video game. You need to focus on the story, not the action. The action comes second. Focus on giving me a great story about Mm -hmm. what they're chasing down, what what they're hunting, whatever the MacGuffin is. Give me a good story and how they're getting there, and then put some action in along the way. But they focus on look at all look at all this big you know explosion stuff that we do in the video game. Look look this is here, and the and the story's lacking in my opinion. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's twofold for Assassin's Creed. For Assassin's Creed, they they actually try to do more of an original story, like try to make a new character. It's just that 
the people that made it, I'm they have no clue what Assassin's Creed was about. That's that's the only way I can explain it. You know, I was. Well, the and funny the thing, thing about is, it, it was kind of cool when you know they went to the past and it was in Sp- in Spain. I think it was Spain, and they actually uh, spoke in Spanish, which was awesome. I thought that was like, yeah, that's a good idea. But you know, the rest of it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, the interesting thing about Assassin's Creed. I'm sorry, Chris. I know you're gonna you're trying to chime in here, uh, and I'll just say this one thing and I'll let you have it. Uh, but the one thing about Assassin's Creed, which I thought was quite disappointing, was that Ubisoft the actual studio that produced the games was very, very involved in that movie. You, you can't um, tell at all. <laughs> and, you know, they they basically jumped the shark and uh, and ruined it. Um, yeah. So it's really sad that, that it didn't work out that way. And I was looking really, really looking forward to that film. Yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think for me, two problems always arise with these, these types of video game movies. One is you underestimate your audience, right? So they think they just assume Mm -hmm. that this is what people want. Like, oh, they just want the action because, you know, people aren't really playing those games to follow the story. And also, you might have to actually have to put some effort into creating a story around these games. I mean, I know that there's a plot and there's a general story, but you do have to (laughs) expand on that. And, you know, God forbid we do that because they think, oh, it's an easy, we got an easy audience here. It's just a video game. You know, it's got a built-in fan base. We're just going to market it as that. And, like, we don't really have to develop a story. Um, That's a problem that happens a lot in movies in general, especially with franchise films. But, yeah, I mean, I think those are the two biggest problems for me. Underestimating your audience and not taking the time to actually fully develop the story. Just going with the basics, like Nathan said. Like, just, it's always that, I call it, like, the lowest common denominator theory. You know, Mm -hmm. just take the the lowest common denominator and just, that's what we're going to go with and that's what we're going to emphasize. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think for like uh, for Detective Pikachu, I mean, I, I haven't seen the movie, but at least when you see the trailer, you get a concept of a of a story, a decent one at that. You know, like oh okay. And also, I'm assuming that uh, you t- you know parents take their kids and they say, oh, it's Ryan Reynolds. Let's see if he does some Deadpool. People thought mm-hmm. that. I've thought that. Will he be like kind of a Deadpool? I don't know if Deadpool and Pikachu are in the same target demographic. To be honest with you, I don't, I don't think I don't know if that's the same kids going. <laughs> no, Maybe. but for the parents taking their kids, they might think, well, you know, this is Ryan Reynolds. I might okay. not, you know, I, it 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 might be okay. I understand what you're saying. You know. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm I'm gonna keep my eye close to close to the box office because this is one of those interesting summers where you know we have a a huge cultural moment. Uh, that literally is, you know, blocking out the sun uh, with Endgame. And, you know, yeah. you've got these competitive movies, these movies that are all vying for the same dollars from the same sort of audience. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. And uh, before we move on to the next topic here, I'm also fascinated to see if there's going to be a residual bump to Avengers Endgame just before Spider-Man comes out. Well, and there was for Captain Marvel. A hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's a little. It's a little different because I feel like people felt like they had to see Captain yeah. Marvel to better understand the character. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also wonder if they're like, we need to. Ref- I don't know if they need to refresh. I mean, I, there's so many things in in Endgame that kind of stand out that I don't know if you need to go back and watch, spend three hours refreshing yourself on the film. But <laughs> you know, I just you know, I wonder if there's going to be folks that are going to be like, we want to catch, you know, Endgame again just before we go into. Well, uh, I, I yeah, heard that, that 
I heard that not they're not playing an end credit scene, but in some theaters they're playing the new Far From Home trailer at the end of Endgame. So like yeah. after the credits are completely done, that so it's almost you know getting them like here's your next thing. So I, I can definitely see a bump. Yeah, exactly. I could see him. Well, you I mean, know, another little residual. Far From Home hinges on the the aftermath of the Endgame. So right. people, yes, yes, yeah. So it does kind of work like a if you think about it, it does kind of work like a. End credit scene. If you want to look at that, technically speaking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is the epilogue yeah. of 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 phase three. I've, yeah. I've yeah. been saying that. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting yeah. because they, for obvious reasons, um, when you know they avoided making that connection in the first mm-hmm. trailer that came out, and and now that Endgame is out and the whole world has seen it, now they're really letting you know. No, no, this is picking up right after. There's a connection yeah. here. And so, mm-hmm. like, they're almost now doing the opposite. They're really going out of their, your, can, their way to let you know that these movies can are Can I ask connected. you guys a question about Far From Home? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do, you, do, you, do you think, with just this first, tra- you know, the one that he said spoilers for it or whatever, do you think that we're going to be in, in jeopardy of Sony doing the same thing they did with Homecoming and giving away too much? Because... We we in the clips we already know that it's a multiverse that the, the snap ripped open the hole or the six one six universe uh, MJ now it could just be played for laughs and it could just be for the trailer you know they do take clips out of the, out of context but she says yeah you're Spider Man you know you would think these are things that you would reveal in the movie like they the Mysterio we assumed from the first teaser that he was going to try to play the good guy but they're he's working with Fury and you know and. He's he's obviously got Fury duped if he's gonna be the typical Mysterio we, Mysterio we know. I just do you think we're getting go going down that road? What's the next trailer gonna give away? I, I as a comic fan, I gotta jump in here and say, knowing Mysterio from the comic, mm-hmm. I believe this is it's all the rules. Me, me too, me too. But I'm just saying, like, not the general. All you know, I'm just like, yeah, like yeah. For us, they they're already telling six one six. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. are they just trying to get us ready? Or like the general audience ready for the multiverse concept, or is that just like things that like for people like us that we know that in the movie it would have been like, oh, cool, six one six shout out, and you know what I mean, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a I think it's actually a smart marketing ploy, right? So they know what's gonna push our buttons and get the fanboys excited about the film, right? Because we're gonna jump at this idea of a multiverse, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And but for general audiences. I don't know if they're going to think, and this is probably one of the reasons why they're showing Jake Gyllenhaal's face, uh, you know, above the fishbowl, is they really want to, well, that, (laughs) but they want want to sell this guy as, like, the, you know, next hero or whatever, and only Mm -hmm. for them to be fooled that he wasn't. I mean, we, we all know the writings on the wall. Uh, but for general audiences, for the vast majority of people. So that's what you think it is a general audience ploy, like kind of uh, easing them into it. A hundred percent. Okay. Well, I, agree. I, 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 I also agree. I mean, selling a multiverse to um, you know to the general audience, it's not easy. Uh, you know, it's it, it's not. It's so not. I mean, so it would be smart to them now. It, you know. Yeah. I yeah, especially especially coming off of a movie like Spider-Man <laughs> into the Spider-Verse, I think. It's also. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I, and that movie's awesome. Yeah. I do think when it comes to things like multiverses and whatnot, you you do need to get that mainstream audience somewhat uh, educated on things like that because um, mm-hmm. it can get confusing. Uh, and you also want to make you know you really do want them to because this is the majority of the people that go to see these movies, right? It's a lot less of us when the movies right. are this big. 
it's a lot less of us and a lot more of of the mainstream audience that that doesn't has never read a comic in most cases. They're just right? going to see the next Marvel movie. Yes, because you know, like I've called. said before on the on the show, like Marvel movie has become like a genre now. Like I just want to go see. I got to go see the new Marvel movie. Like it's almost like it's become its exactly. own genre, and people yeah, want to exactly, go yeah. and see that. So, but you need to you do need to educate them if you are going to start to get real comic booky, uh, and you know, and right. eventually so they're going to get cosmic. Yeah, it's a primer. But here's the one I want to throw out quick. I want to throw this out okay. to everybody. So we're talking about does the movie get a bump? So Homecoming mm-hmm. did 880 million worldwide. This does, one does a billion. I was just about to say, does everyone think uh, Far From uh, Home yeah. does it, a billion? I think it absolutely. I think this is the year of three yeah. $3 billion movies for them in Marvel. I honestly do. I think Captain Marvel, Endgame, and I absolutely think Far From Home gets it. Gets maybe it barely hits it, but it hits it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'll hit a billion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I definitely think it'll do better, do hit the billion. Yeah. Yeah, like wholeheartedly agree on that. I mean, I just think that um Endgame left such a good, good taste in a lot of yeah. the majority of people's mouths and uh I think you know Far From Home is going to do two things so one it's going to absolutely hit that billion dollar mark for a Spider-Man film but it's also going to prove that uh superhero fatigue is a myth I think that this is it's going I think we're going to get into a place where we're going to find some really interesting there's there's going to be some some interesting things that are going to happen with you know these franchises specifically from the Marvel side because this is the place where they're going to you know kind of cap cap off uh phase 3 and then reset the stage maybe at Comic-Con maybe at D23 where they start to roll out what their next uh sort of slate of films are going to be and get people really jazzed about that Far stuff. Far from home has to tease that. I think the I think the post in the mid credit scene are crucial to to the future like Spire, yeah, Far from Home is going to close the door on on phase, you know, on the Infinity Saga. But it's mm-hmm. also going to have to give you a little hint of what's coming and it can't just be like I, one can be a tease of the next Spider-Man movie, but the one's got to be a tease of something in the future you know like yeah. something people get people to go "Ooh, what's that you know well I'm a, i want to see the next movie right well right. here's the thing though here's the thing too if you i mean uh looking at uh watching um uh end game you actually got a tease of something that would happen in uh phase three with the guardians of the galaxy movies right. if if that re- still you know if the, if the main core you know if the people that were in that situation still remain that's still like i want to see that movie right now Mm-hmm. Especially knowing that James Gunn is going to come back too, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, agreed. Great. Okay, so wait, guys, hold we'll, on. Before we'll wrap, uh, before we wrap, well, wrap up, ahead. though, sorry. Uh, <laughs> since we have these three guys here, I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention AEW AEW Double or Nothing uh, because <laughs> it is a couple of weeks. It's ten, what, twelve days away, something like that, uh, from the time we're recording mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. And uh, they did announce a couple of more matches, so that the card is almost complete at this point. It is going to be on traditional pay-per-view, so uh, there will be a streaming component, which has yet to be announced because it's going to be tied into their TV deal. So it looks like whatever this Turner streaming service is that they have, that's probably where it's going to be uh, available from on a streaming basis. Um, but uh, and also the news came out that which has been rumored for a while that it, it looks like TNT is going to be the destination for the weekly show. Uh, rumors it's are rumored though, right? Well, it's, it's rumored, but I mean, I, it's been heavily, rumored. it's been talked about for a while. 
uh, right. that T- Turner was going to be the place they were negotiating with I and that it was so. likely going to be TNT. It's, pr- it's going to be, seems like two hours live. They just don't mm-hmm. know the two night hours. yet. Perfect. Uh, that's, that's, those are all rumors, but it, I mean, it seems like there's momentum building that this thing is going to be announced really soon. I'm um, keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah they, they've announced a couple of more talent signings. Uh, so it seems like the roster is fairly complete right now. Um, and Helico and Jack Evans, the two most recent signings, two tremendous talents. Very excited about that. Both are now on double or nothing because they're teaming up against best friends, which is Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor on double or nothing mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so just send it around quick. Each one of you guys give your thoughts about all of this stuff. I just threw out. Uh, I just to chime in, I seen today that they were uh, announcing that they hired like five referees too. So yes. I mean, they're really, they're oh, really yeah. building their stuff up. They like, I think five or six is what I caught that I seen they yeah. released today. Uh, but I, I, I just can't wait. I'm going to, I haven't bought a pay-per-view in, I can't even remember the last time, and I'm gonna whatever way I can watch this live. I'm if I next day streaming, whatever I got to do, I'm watching this event because I I just I can't wait to see it go. I can't wait to see Dustin and Cody. Like there's just there's so many good things that are gonna go on, and if this TNT deal goes down, I give I don't care if I got to record it, if I got to watch it twice. Like I will make sure I see that because I I I just I want to see what they do because they're so fresh and they're young, and I like the, their approach on their YouTube channel and. I, I'm I'm super excited. Like I said, I haven't been given a crap about the other companies. Like I just can't wait for this. This is the only only wrestling I'm thinking about because I just the potential is just it, it, it's all there. It's theirs to you know to throw in the garbage. They can either plant this and make it grow into something huge, or they can shoot it straight into the ground. But it's just up to them because they've got the, they've got the hype and they've if they get this t if they get this TV deal, they'll have the network and it's theirs to throw away or to make something great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty exciting what's what's happening. It just in in general in the world of wrestling, where this potential new organization is going to get possibly, hopefully, a great cable deal, and it's going to give hopefully give the, the big guy a run for, a little bit of run for their money. And you know now now people are, now people can turn around and say I got another place to go besides besides WWE and Impact that I can get. FaceTime and get paid TV money because that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. For those guys working the indies. Yeah. For me, I mean, wrestling has always been about two specific uh, things in, you know, talent, in ring talent, you know, uh, and also, but it has to go along with like a great story. You know, a story that went, makes you want to, like, I need to see this now. I want to know what's going to happen next week. The great other, characters. The other companies have not done that. Maybe with like Kofi, Kins, uh, Kofi Kingston, mm-hmm. that did happen, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. But it's just one story in like so many things that were going on that were like meh. And in this situation, only with like the roads, you know, and their promos, that only that actually caught my eye, and I just want to see it now. So I'm buying it. I'm so happy. I'm so psyched. I'm so psyched for another product that I can actually watch that for now it holds a lot of interest, you know? All right. Cool. So uh, we're going to wrap this uh, segment up here. Thank all three of you guys for joining us and for the support uh, over this past year. And we look forward to more of it. And we look forward to having you guys back on uh, more in year two here uh, as things progress. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Thank yeah, you. Man. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you guys for joining. Right. It's awesome. All right.
All right, so we got our next guest on the air right now. You are very familiar with him. He was the first ever guest in the history of the Fanboy Garage, uh, and we, of course, we had to bring back the great Rick Shue from Batman on film for the one-year anniversary show. Rick, welcome back. Guys, Rick. well, thank you. It's great to be back, and congratulations. I, I say this every time I'm on here. I think that... The show is fantastic. I think you guys are great, and just keep it going, man. Podcasting is not easy. Building an audience is not easy. This is not people um, that listen to podcasts. I don't know if they realize that all the work that goes into putting shows together, and you know, you guys are are just consummate pros. That's all I'm gonna say. Hey, man. Thank you so much for that. That that really means a lot. Um, you know, I think. Uh, I mean, you and I. Hell, we we started a debate on Force Ghosts on Twitter like years <laughs> ago, and before that, um, you know, I was a, a listener and still am a listener of of the Batman on Film podcast uh, <clears throat> when it was you and and Bill, and um, you know, and then and then our good friend Mario Francisco Robles uh, got us together and we did a uh, a podcast for for the fanboy or the L fanboy back then, so. Um, you know, it, it, again, as Chris said, it's always been an honor to have you on the show. It was an honor to have you as our first guest. And, um, you know, we continue having crazy conversations about all things related to Star Wars and Batman and all that good stuff. So, um, again, it's just, it, it's great to have you on again, man. And, and likewise, can I, can I make a little jab here at our, friend Mario, at our friend Mario? Sure. So Mario and I were supposed to do this, uh, I don't want to tell anyone what it is because it, it we haven't done it yet, but he hasn't called me back. It was his idea, and he hasn't. So, Mario, if you're listening, call me and let's set this thing up, sir. We're going to have uh, – I, I was going to post an article on Revenge of the Fans. He was going to post one on Batman on film, and he and I were going to vlog about it. So let's still make that happen. Mario. That's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the here's the funny thing. So he's he's coming on shortly after. He's uh, I think he's gonna be available in like the next thirty or so minutes. But so I'm gonna, uh, good. I'm gonna shame him publicly. <laughs> it's probably gonna be like the first and last time you guys talk. Um, <laughs> but um, I do like the, Rick, so, I that you said. Ahead, haven't Chris. don't all great relationships start with debates about force ghosts? Uh, that's how I met my wife. Yeah. No, no, but <laughs> imagine. <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah. I was like, Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost is legit, and uh, yeah, oh yeah. Then I like was like totally not on like Sebastian Shaw. That's where it was supposed to be at. If there was one of those things that George Lucas, whose birthday is today, happy birthday to the creator, to the chin. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was a, a firm believer that uh, that old man Anakin Skywalker should have stayed uh, as the Force Ghost, and. I think I, I, I kind of, you know, Rick, I'm in your camp now. I get what you're saying. Um, I still, you know, I'm a Scorpio, so I kind of hold on to my ways. And, you know, I'd say 10% of me is still like, yeah, Shabazzin needs to be the force ghost, but whatever. Well, again, and I'll, I'll just say it one more time, is that the old man Anakin that's standing there in the form of Sebastian Shaw uh, we never, that person never existed. There was never, 
60-year-old man arms or 60-year-old man legs or, or his, you know, his hairdo. That was none of that ever existed. So suddenly he's just projected as what he would have been if he never turned evil, as opposed to now he's projected as how he was. It's not hypothetical. It's actually who he was uh, when he became Darth Vader. And, and, I, and I will, since, since Revenge of the Sith is obviously canon and, quite frankly, one of my favorite Star Wars films, um, uh, he doesn't actually become Darth Vader in the moment of the physical transformation. He becomes Darth Vader once he bows down to Palpatine and says, I'm yours. And um, that, that's how he looked. And so I think it's, I think it's fitting mm-hmm. that it's there. Plus, you know, we can, we, we can use that actor again. Hopefully that happens. If it doesn't happen in episode nine, I'm, uh, I suspect it won't <laughs> but, uh, at all, but I, I'm hoping that JJ brings him in to that film. I really do. I think that if, if you're going to close the, the story of the, of the Skywalkers, you have to have what, who is now li- very literally the grandfather and, mm-hmm. uh, and you have the actor. He still, he still looks great. He's ready to do it. It makes sense. Have him in there, tie the story up, put a big bow on it, and then let's move on. Yeah, he's been popping up at a, at the uh, last two celebrations, uh, mm-hmm. and he's been getting lots of love. So it sounds like those folks that uh, wanted to burn him at the stake for the prequels have since forgiven him. Uh, but I agree. I think it'd be nice to have, you know, not only him return, but uh, Ewan McGregor. And, um, I mean, I think there's only, what, there's only been one uh, character that's made the transition into these newer films, and that's Bail Organa. Is that right? Or, and maybe uh, Mon Mothma? Uh, yeah, so both of them, and which were, they were both in Rogue One, and she, the same actress, was in Revenge of the Sith. Of course, those scenes are unfortunately deleted, because right. they're they're actually really good, and they should be in the movie, quite frankly, but... Um, but I would say this, and, and I've said this before on your show, on you guys' show, that uh, Ewan McGregor, his Force Ghost was technically in the Force Awakens. You know, he, he, you don't see him, but you hear him, and he's speaking to Ray, and in her flashback sequence or whatever you want to call that, um, which I hope will tie into Episode Nine. I hope we get something from that moment of her, of Luke's slash Anakin's lightsaber calling to her. You know, that's Ewan McGregor's voice saying, "Ray, these are your first steps." Now, obviously, they, they put Alec Guinness in there with it and they sliced up one word just so they're both actors are represented. But at the end of the day, they're both there. And so he's been there already. And so hopefully we'll get him in some capacity. Uh, I don't want to jump ahead as I know we're going to talk about a couple things, but I, mm-hmm. I'm still hoping that one of these new three films that were announced is um, that are coming out starting 2022 are one is with him. And I know you disagree with that, but I'm hoping that that's the case. Well, that um, just—that's a loaded one, right? Because yeah, I'm not. <laughs> We've done it. In- well, and, and here's the thing: as we know, that you know, the Games of Thrones uh, powers to, uh, you know, the, I don't watch Games of Thrones. I never did. I, I've not seen one episode. So, just full confession here: my wife loved it. Um, I think she even liked the finale. I guess people are not uh, happy second, with the finale. Second to last episode. Yeah. Or second to last episode. Okay, so that's what it is. The finale. Yeah, I'm, I just I haven't invested my time in that show whatsoever, but. I would, uh, I don't, we don't know if, you know, we now know that those guys are in charge of, of these, um, at least the first film. Right. We don't know if it's a trilogy or not. We, we, it's not established. We have no idea. So obviously, mm-hmm. obviously if it is a trilogy, then the Obi-Wan movie is, is probably dead and that's going to be Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? 
Aaron and I were actually talking about this a little bit um, before we started recording the show because he mentioned that um, Benioff and Weiss are their movies are going to be the movies that are the next ones. And I was saying to him because I am a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, well, next one, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, right. We don't know the other two. Right, I'm the sorry, next one. And I, I loved. I love Game of Thrones. Uh, it's not even my. It's one of those shows where, like, I didn't watch the first two seasons as they were happening because it, it's not my usual cup of tea. But I was convinced to watch them, and I I fell in love with it. So I've I've been a, a regular uh, you know watcher ever since. But this season, which is the final season, has actually been the poorest received season uh, of all of the seasons. Which is interesting because you know. At this point, these guys are basically now, other than, you know, getting some notes from George R.R. R. Martin about where he would have gone with some of these characters, because it's been like 12 years he's still writing, you know, he hasn't finished the book series yet, which the wow. show is based on. So this is them basically on their own now. And it's ironic that this season is the one that's been the poorest received critically and so far, you know, from the, the fan base. Uh, I don't know if that's something that should concern anybody. I don't know if that's something that, you know, maybe the bloom is coming off the rose a mm. little bit or if it matters at all. Um, but I do think it's interesting that uh, that this is happening now. So I will say that um, being a reader of, of the Game of Thrones books um, and having stayed away from the latter half, I'd say, uh, the last couple of, seasons uh since they started to kind of be on their own um i dropped off at like season four season maybe it was like season four season five um because at that point they'd gotten to to the point where you know the story for the books had kind of concluded and um i didn't want to spoil anything for myself because i'm more invested in the book characters than than i was in the show so that being said, I mean, I, I heard that season six and some of the other ones were phenomenal. Yep. Um, they've been on their own for, for quite some time then. For, well, it's a little uh, bit longer than it was a little bit longer than season four, I think. But yeah, I, I yeah, maybe still, season five. Yeah. But, but so since, you know, actually, it's been it's been about three or so seasons that I stopped watching the show. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So <clears throat> they've been on their on their own for for a little bit now. And, um, you know, again, having not seen any of that, if, if folks enjoyed those seasons, then I would say we're in, we're in Star Wars is in good hands with these guys. I understand some of the backlash related to, you know, this last episode and even, you know, the, the, the season at large, but, um, you know, these guys have, uh, have an eye for, you know, these grandiose, very, very complicated stories. And if, you know, folks want to speculate that they are the ones that are going to do sort of Knights of the Old Republic, like phenomenal. I think they're going to do a great job. Now, if there's anything outside of that, uh, that they would bring to the table from, you know, story, storytelling perspective, I'm all for it. Like Star Wars and Jedi, whatever, like these guys seem to have their stuff together. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm good for it. And like, full disclosure, I actually have enjoyed this season a lot. <laughs> So I'm not one of those people that thinks they're not sticking the landing. There are a couple issues I've had here or there, but uh, especially in this last episode. But overall, I've I've really enjoyed this season. So I'm not in that camp. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, so guys, so guys, uh, what do we think? 
you know, the stories could be is do, do we want something new, something completely fresh and different, or do you want something that kind of pulls from, you know, existing, you know, legends, canon, like the Knights of the Old Republic and all that stuff? Rick, you know, you for, no, for me, I, um, I'm good with whatever. I mean, I if it's I just want it to be good, right? But if I could if I could control the universe and to 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 honor the spirit of your question, I would prefer it not to be a new trilogy, um, just because it's such a it's such an investment, and it's quite frankly it's not that long after the Skywalker saga wrapped. So if it's a new trilogy, I wonder if they're going to market it different, I don't think it's, it probably won't have the same opening. I doubt that it's episodes. Um, what would that be? 10, 11, 12. I don't think they'll go that route because it's, you know, they'll, they'll change all of that. So that would be interesting to see how they do that. At least I think they would. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, we, we also, our, our great John Williams is done after rise of Skywalker as well. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what route they would take with that. But most importantly for me is that I would, just kind of prefer to see some directors take their vision and bring some good standalone stories that don't have to be over the course of three films that can be told in two and a half, three hours. I love Rogue One and and I like Solo. I don't love Solo, but I do like it. Um, It could have been a lot better, but Mm -hmm. I think, I think Rogue One is great. I don't want a lot of throwback stuff in terms of, uh, things that are just for nostalgia purposes or fan service. Yeah. But I, but I do, I'll, I'll die on the hill that I do think that there's an Obi-Wan story to be told and, and, and you and McGregor and all that stuff. I really want to see that film. And at the very least, at the very least, I want to see it uh, on Disney plus. I want to see him reprise that role uh, for sure. And um, I, I think again, there's a story and with that again, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but uh, you know, it's not like solo. It's not some actor stepping in. Look, Obi-Wan Kenobi to a generation of fans is I mean, you and McGregor, I'm sorry, to a generation of fans, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you're my age and you grew up with the original trilogy, you sort of naturally associate Alec Guinness. At this point, for me personally, I both of them just come to mind automatically. They're just both mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, right? There's different times in their life um, or his life. But um, so that would work. Like they don't have to – they don't have that obstacle of like, hey, here's some rando actor playing Han Solo – enjoy it's like he's already established and so it would be you know they wouldn't have that obstacle um so i do want that and i would i would just like to see what other writer directors could do to tell a story there's all sorts of stuff that they could tap into it's quite frankly it's endless Mm -hmm. but we are probably getting a trilogy that's um probably what's going to happen just because there's three films and they're slated. There's not four. There's not two. There's three. So that's right. right. You know what I mean? So that's probably telling, telling us something. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. Um, yeah. What about you guys? Are you guys wanting this to be a trilogy or would you prefer it to be just three individual stories that are not necessarily connected? You know, it's tough for me because I was so like of the mind that like Ryan Johnson was working on like the what was going to be the next trilogy. And that, like, Benioff and Weiss and those guys, they were working on, like, standalone films. Mm. So now to kind of shift gears, you know, I, yeah, I think it's probably going to be a, I think it's probably going to be a trilogy. Because, like you said, the the numbers, why announce three movies? 
Um, yeah. Why that right. number? Like, and why in right. advance? Right? Unless they're going to be tied together somehow. Um, right. So yeah, I'm I'm probably thinking yeah, it is going to be a trilogy. Um, so Chris, do you think if it if it is a trilogy, safe to assume that the Obi Wan film is is dead and and perhaps it goes to Disney Plus, perhaps it doesn't, whatever. But the movie is is gone, and as 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 much as this saddens me to say, it, does that probably mean that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is no longer happening, or Ryan Johnson period? What do you think? I mean, what yeah. do you guys think of that? Man, I you know I thought the Obi Wan movie was dead with Solo, um, <laughs> but now Disney Plus is. Uh, obviously a kind of a game changer. So, you know, it could always live there where it might be a little safer. Um, But yeah, I don't know what to think about the Ryan Johnson thing. I mean, I know there was that whole, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, you know, we'll believe it when we see it, you know, and we'll believe that he's still in the good graces of, you know, Lucasfilm, you know, when we actually see that he's getting his trilogy. But now it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not a thing anymore. I mean, he... I, I want to say a couple of months ago, maybe he addressed people saying that he was still working on it or something like that uh, via Twitter. Um, and it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because if, if, if I were a betting man, I would have, and I would clearly have lost this bet, but I would have thought that Benioff and Weiss were working on a series of movies that would have lived on Disney plus, right? Mm-hmm. Just because, they're familiar with, you know, that kind of, uh, medium and, and they could package those episodic stories like that. Right. Um, but you know, sort of knowing that their first film is going to be available now, I don't know. So here's the thing now, Bob Iger didn't say theatrically, but we're all assuming that that's what it, what it means, you know, cause by and large Disney plus will for better or worse, completely changed the streaming landscape the way we know it. I, I would imagine that they're going to be doing some like direct to release Disney plus movies. <clears throat> so this is not saying that it's out of the question, but the way that it was phrased by Bob Iger, I'm assuming that, you know, these are going to be like wide theatrical releases and that they're the first stop. Um, I do think it's going to be a trilogy uh, where those stories play. I, I don't know, but I do. And I've said this many, many times on this podcast, I'd prefer it to be something that we've never experienced before something in a time period that we've never been to before, because right now we're only playing in these like 60 years or so, uh, the 60 year window, um, regarding Ryan Johnson. Damn. I, I hope he still has his stuff, man. I, I love the last Jedi a lot. And I think he was exactly what this franchise needed. Um, and um, and I'd love to see, you know, some of the other the other stuff that he, uh, you know, the other stories that he has to tell. And, and I liked his his direction, um, you know, as a filmmaker and the impact that had on on uh, on the franchise. So I, I, I don't think we have seen the last of him in Star Wars. He may not necessarily have his trilogy per se. But I bet he's involved in something, whether it's on Disney Plus or perhaps one of these three films are his and it's an individual film um, or he's directing one of the three chapters of a new trilogy as just as a director. Right. Um, you know, so I uh, does anybody know about Knives Out? Did he write that or is he just directing it? What's does anybody know the story uh, on that? I'm, I'm not sure. He may... Okay. 
may have. Uh, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I was. It just kind of came to me. He's directing but, *Knives Out*, um, and he wrote it too. So. Oh, he did write yep. it. Okay, there you go. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I don't know if they're waiting to see how kind of that's. I don't know, man. It's it's so hard. Look, the, at the end of the day, *The Last Jedi* was almost 1.4 billion critically acclaimed film. Um, it, it, it's it, general audiences either liked it or loved it. Obviously, online fandom was split, and when you got when you have online fandom that control and and spam Rotten Tomatoes, and that's the world we live in, where half star spam reviews on Rotten Tomato and and the Last Jedi is awful, uh, trending on Twitter, is somehow now real life, and it just mm. it sucks. It's not real life, but it is. You know right. what I mean? It shouldn't be because it's really not, but it becomes that, and so. I mean, has anyone? I mean, I would. I'm about to answer my own question here, but has anyone received that kind of hate and sort of fan backlash that you know yeah. still managed to maintain their position uh, as planned? Well, I would say, well, it's 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 a quite different scenario, obviously, because he owned everything. But and this is pre Facebook, pre Twitter. But guys, I mean, listen, I'm 40, almost 44 years old. I lived through the prequels as an adult. I watched the the fandom, how it reacted. George Lucas is getting letters mailed to him because back then people actually had to write letters or type them on a typewriter and, and put them in the mail with a stamp. I know it's archaic, right? But um, you ruined my childhood. There's video, there's documentaries on this shit about the prequels and I mean, absolutely. That that vitriol was applied to those films with Star Wars fandom back in the '90s and late '90s and early 2000s. Um, obviously, to your question, did George Lucas keep his job? Well, he was his job. He was his own right, boss. Right. Right. But he certainly sold the rights to Star Wars. If if, if the prequels had a proper or at least an appropriate fan reaction. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not convinced he would have sold them, but I think in his head, and I, he's basically on record saying this in a sense, in his own words. But why the hell would I want to do this again? Why would I want to put myself through that nonsense mm -hmm. again? Yeah. So he, he, I think that the fans' reaction to the prequels were very much part of the catalyst for, or, or part of the, the genesis the of why he, so, yeah, why he sold in the first place. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And let's not forget about Indiana Jones four. I just don't hate that film like a lot of fans do. In fact, I kind of even shoot, man. I don't know. I I, I think it's really you judged, I mean, it easy. Temple of the Doom really isn't. Look, Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade are, are on a level on their own. Temple of Doom is fun, right? but it's not like those two films and no. and to me it's more along the lines of the crystal skull that's just me i don't know i mean i i'm glad that we're going to see indy 5 because we'll, we'll let uh we'll sure. let we'll let spielberg land that plane without lucas interfering i guess i don't know mm. i don't know yeah chris what do you think yeah i i don't know i um I, you know it's hard because, you know, Weiss and Benioff, they're writers, right? So we need to make that clear. These guys are writers. They're not mm. directors. So, you know, at first you're like, well, maybe Ryan Johnson is still developing something. And, you know, these guys are just going to, this is all one big project. But no, obviously that's not the case, right? So 
I don't know, man. I, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I wish he was still going to be a part of this because I do love The Last Jedi as well. And I like what he brought to the franchise. And I like the freshness of it all. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, so I, I do hope that somewhere along the way he's involved. But I, I just, I don't really see that happening. Mm. Because I just think that fandom has created the idea that this is now a this current trilogy is a disjointed trilogy, right? Mm. Because of the last Jedi, which I don't necessarily agree with, but that's the way people have made this out to be. Because now JJ did the first and the last, and Brian Johnson has this kind of somewhat polarizing. The polarization of it is overrated, but somewhat polarizing movie in between. I don't want. I don't think they're going to want to go down that road again. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you bring in writers like if if they had brought in like a director and you say, you know, OK, maybe they're going to let this person do the first one. Then the next one will be somebody else and the next one will be somebody else. But it'll be one big story that's different. But these guys are writers. So, I, yeah, I don't see uh, I, this as I think this is going to be their thing. What if Ryan Johnson is directing it? Not right. I don't yet. see, but he seems like the type. Of, I know, he's always he, he written and type, directed yeah, his movies. I don't know that is Ryan Johnson going to want to step in and direct a movie that these guys wrote. I mean, I guess he could, right. but I don't think that's what he really signed up for. Well, I mean, great directors don't necessarily write their own films. Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that to be condescending. I'm just, just, I know, I, mean, I know you, I know you know that. I'm just like saying yeah. it on to get on the record for the show. Uh, I just, I don't, I obviously, don't know Ryan Johnson personally. I, I just think that. There, for them to not use him at all, I think would 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 just send a message that online vitriol fandom wins. Is, wins and um, f that, you know what I mean? I like, agree I, with that. Yeah, one of like if the movie bombed and critics hated it and it was a D on Cinema Score and all, fine, right? But that's not what that movie was. Um. Anyway, I, I could I could talk yeah. about the Last Jedi all day long, but here at the end of the day, here's what has to happen, right? Imagine if the Rise of Skywalker has to just be great, and it has to make online fandom happy, and obviously general audiences. It's is most important. I think I think that's not going to be an issue. I think it's the online fandom aspect of it. And uh, as much as I want us to get away from judging films' success in the terms of their quality on their box office, as far as this movie goes, it needs to do well, in my opinion. It needs to yeah. do. It needs to. Like if if you look at the previous trilogies, the other two, so you you look at the Force Awakens, and these numbers might not be 100 percent accurate. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. They're relatively close. But it, you know, did $2 billion, right? And then The Last Jedi did 1.3. So it's like a drop-off of 35% or whatever that is, something somewhere like that. And people are like, oh, it, it underperformed. I'm like, well, first of all, it didn't have the nostalgia factor in the, the first Star Wars movie since the prequels and Harrison Ford and, and all that stuff that, that made that a $2 billion juggernaut. But on top of that, The Empire Strikes Back and Attack of the Clones both dropped in that 31 to 35% margin from their predecessor. Mm -hmm. So if, but Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi both ticked up 10, 15% roughly from the second chapter. So if 
if the rise of Skywalker does 1.5, 1.6 billion, then you can look back at the totality of this trilogy and say this damn thing played out precisely like the other two did, right? right? I mean, yeah, 100%. And so that's why to make sure that narrative of failure and this and that doesn't just like like just become permanent. I'd like to see this film not be review bombed on Rotten Tomatoes, not piss off, you know, a couple hundred thousand fans online that can, can, can do a lot of damage and, uh, and, and not underperform at the box office. If, if those things happen, I think a lot of the stuff with Ryan Johnson, I think tempers will come and I don't think it'll matter in 2024 if Ryan Johnson's writing and directing a star Wars film. Cause I don't think most people, uh, we'll we'll give a shit. I don't think they're gonna be like, oh, but I remember how pissed off I was in 2017. I just I just don't. I right, just don't. Yeah. yeah. So a lot a lot is riding on the rise of Skywalker. How's that? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, a lot of that is on is on JJ's shoulders, and um, you know, he essentially has to close close this bad boy out. He's got to do it well, and um, you know, he's got Chris Terrio, uh in his corner who helped write, write the story. So hopefully they pull something off that's special and look, uh, because I, it's not, it's it, 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 sorry. Let me finish one, no, no, one yeah, thing. Please, please. It's not just about closing this trilogy. It's about closing 40 years worth of, of, of this saga that everyone's been invested in that. I don't necessarily know. They, they knew that they were, you know, sort of riding along with this, but it's like 40 plus years of, of, you know, of a story that, uh, that he has to finish. And that's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And I think the fact that he took it on is a testimony to how serious he is about doing it. Uh, and he's a fan. And quite frankly, so is Ryan Johnson. People say that Ryan Johnson doesn't respect the fans. Man, F you. The dude is a fan. I follow that guy on Twitter. He's yeah. more engaging and, and involved than most directors I've ever seen online. So, But regard, setting that aside, um, I uh, you said something – and I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to like elaborate on it, but now I can't remember what it was. So it doesn't matter. It must not, must not be that important. Um, we all just okay. agree that JJ needs to land the plane, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that yeah. because of the fact that he is, this is the, the culmination of, of the, a trilogy and also this entire saga, the marketing for this, I think, is going to lean more on the nostalgia. The little right. bit of nostalgia that, you know, will be as it gets closer to the movie and they can, you know, we'll see a little bit more of it. So I actually think there's potential. It's not going to I can't see it's going to do Force Awakens money because that was a cultural phenomenon, generational thing. But I, I do think there's a really good chance that this thing, you know, performs even above what we might think the expectations are like you was talking about the 18 percent or 20 percent increase or whatever like i think it might even perform a little bit above that if the marketing does kind of pull in some of that nostalgic vibe because i think that's what really people wrap themselves up around with the force awakens and i think they want to wrap themselves up around it again to see this thing come i think that's fair and you know the the trailer opens with luke talking the trailer ends with with the Emperor Palpatine right. laughing. And you got Lando the t- in there. And Lando's yeah. in there. You have the Rise of Skywalker is the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think I think it's I think that we're we are definitely going to get the appropriate amount of fan service and there's yeah. nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. And um 
Ryan Haas from Batman on Film and I have a brand new podcast that just dropped uh, today. It was actually a vlog that we recorded on Friday and it went up on YouTube and we didn't realize that like the video was so messed up, just the video. So we had to pull it, which was kind of embarrassing, but you know, that kind of, you know, stuff happens, but um, we pulled it, but Ryan was able to salvage the audio. So we, we turned it into a podcast, which is up right now. And we talk about, uh, we talk a lot about star Wars and we talk about uh, the rise of Skywalker and, you know, sort of our thoughts are, you know, essentially that this film has to be this perfect hybrid of nostalgia wrapping up three trilogies, wrapping up Aaron or Chris, I'm sorry, which one said it like 40 years of films mm-hmm. and being a movie completely on its own at the same time. And, um, that's right. going to be some masterful film, you know, <laughs> it has to be some masterful techniques from, from, from JJ. And I just don't think if he didn't think that he was up for it, that he wouldn't have done it. That's yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think Chris, to your point about the marketing, um, you know, this film has to get people excited again for star Wars. I'm not saying that people are not, I'm just saying that after you know, the last Jedi there, there was definitely a, a, a very clear divide between fans and it's got to pull those people that have, a you know, allegedly checked out of Star Wars back while also creating a new breed of audiences. They're going to keep the seats warm as they launch their next, you know, round of films, the next trilogy in 2022. Right. So it, it has a lot to accomplish. It's got, you know, it has to kind of set the stage for <clears throat> the future of Star Wars. And I think, uh, that's that goes beyond just the marketing uh, as well because you think about all the, the all the dollars that Disney's pouring into their theme parks and I'm sure there's gonna be a, a you know again there's gonna be lots of stuff happening on <clears throat> the Disney plus streaming service uh, that's gonna keep you know Star Wars at the tip of people's tongues I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more stuff that's gonna roll out. Uh, to kind of whet people's appetite as they wait for that next, you know, round of films. But, you know, by and large, it has to, um, has to, you know, again, create those new audiences and keep people in love with the franchise. So. Have you guys, um, on the two viewings of Endgame uh, that I've seen, um, the first viewing, I didn't have trailers at all, but the second viewing, I, for whatever reason, Star Wars wasn't attached to that screening have you guys seen the Rise of Skywalker trailer in a movie theater? Hell yeah. Yeah, I, it yeah. was attached to my Endgame. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know why it wasn't on mine. It, I saw it in a Cinemark, which was an XD version of IMAX, and maybe it had something to do with that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, and I didn't miss the trailer. When I was in there with my popcorn and my wine sitting there, wait, or actually my vodka for that screen. But I was watching, I was I, like, the, the trailer hadn't even started yet, and then the movie started, you know what I'm saying? I didn't miss a beat. So it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So how was the fan or the audience reaction uh, for that trailer for you guys? So I haven't got to experience it yet. I I don't know. I'm just curious for me. It was interesting because I I still remember it vividly. You know, it was, I would say like polite applause at the end. Mm -hmm. And I, but I didn't get the impression it was because of like indifference. I got the impression it's because I think everybody had seen it already. And even yeah. though they, they hadn't necessarily seen it on the big screen before, like, I just think these days, like, people had probably watched that trailer, uh, like, a million times by the time they were seeing it there. So at that moment, it was like, 
more like, oh, let's just get through these trailers to get to this epic movie we're about to watch. Mm-hmm. So I would say it was more like polite applause, but I, I didn't really read too much into that. Uh, so, Rick, uh, kudos to you for bringing something that I always think about when I'm in the theater, which is like, I've seen the trailer. Let's see what you guys think of the trailer. Like, I do that all the time while I'm sitting there in the theater waiting for people's response. Um, you know, for me, and this goes, you know, through the entirety of Endgame, I had such a subdued audience. It was 10 o'clock at night uh, on a Saturday. And um, there was some murmurs, I'd say. That was probably the, the most that, you know, I got out of that, that theater experience. But, you know, there wasn't any... Uh, cheers for Stanley's cameo in the film. There weren't any real cheers when it came down to, um, you know, some of the bigger moments like, uh, you know, Captain America wielding Mjolnir and any of that stuff. So um, it was just a crowd of people. I think everyone was pretty much drunk and exhausted. <laughs> so gotcha. It's anecdotal anyway. I mean, <coughs> you guys are you guys are in New York. I'm in Dallas. And you you know whatever. I, I could go to a theater. Uh, across the street from my house, I could go one in downtown. It would be a different reaction. I was just, I guess the, the point of even bringing that up is that I, I, I feel like, and it's just a feeling, right? But I feel like that there's excitement brewing for, for this star Wars film. And regardless of the fact that there was some online split fandom with the last Jedi and obviously solo being the, the first star Wars movie that, that actually flopped at the box office. I just don't think any of it matters. I think if this movie's good, um, and not to say those other films are not. I'm saying just if we're, you know, more universally good, it just won't matter. And then to come full circle here, it just it won't matter down the road who's attached to these projects. But I I, I think it's safe to say that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is probably not going to happen because look, here's the thing: if it w- would happen, we're talking like 2030 that that's slated, and that's just not the reality of this business. I'm not yeah. plan that far in advance with 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 a director. So hopefully, you know what I'd love to see happen, guys? I'd love to see Rise of Skywalker come out. Everybody loves it. It's just one of those feel-good films that just, it's like The Force Awakens again, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, $1.5, $1.6 billion at the box office, and I'd love to see your lines out come out. And it's, like, critically acclaimed. People love it. 90-something percent audience score and uh, does real well. And, and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if both those things could happen, how great that would be to yeah. just, like, you know, let's just put – put the divisiveness divisiveness behind us and let's just move on and and like hey see Ryan Johnson's actually a really kick-ass talented guy I mean for those of us that love The Last Jedi we already knew that or Looper or whatever but now you have this new film that's post The Last Jedi but mm. we'll see all right so well, I mean, that's that's my thoughts on that man I'm just like I'm excited for December yeah I know that can't yeah. come soon enough I know. Um, cool. So, uh, Rick, before before we kind of close uh, the segment, any any uh, other stuff you want to share? Anything anything brewing on on Batman? Uh, well, I've been uh, I've actually been reading some some comics lately. It's been fun. I actually reread the White Knight as a in its totality because it, like, I've had the individual books, but now I have the. Um, uh, you know, death, I think that thing's a masterpiece. I still don't know why we haven't done a, a podcast on it. That's something I have to change. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, I've just I've just been revisiting some some writers that I like. And I, w- what has 
been reinforced in my mind is that for me personally, like I just read this this book uh, a few days ago, and it's essentially about Batman uh, Bruce Wayne inheriting the Holy Grail. It's like it's like Batman and the Last Crusade, mm. and it's a uh, it's good. It's a good read. Um, a lot of great character moments in the film or in, in the in the book. But I'm just like, gosh, it just still just reinforces the fact that I just really prefer Batman in a grounded world that we live in, that we actually live in. And there's not other supernatural things going on. There's not supernatural things going on at all. And there's not other superheroes. It's just for him, for mm-hmm. me, it just works better because he's more relatable that way. He's more interesting. Uh, nothing against anybody that has a difference of opinion. There's no right or wrong here. That's just me. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm excited for the Matt Reeves film, and I'm, mm. and I'm hoping that, that this thing really, truly is its own film. It's not connected to anything, and it's just, um, we're gonna get Batman in his prime. We're gonna see him uh, as a detective in a way that mm. we've never actually seen on film. Even though I think that there's a lot of detective work that happens in the films that actually gets overlooked, including the Nolan right. trilogy and, and right. including Tim Burton's first film, and really even a little bit of Batman Returns for that matter. But uh, but I, uh, I I I'm I'm just excited for the Matt Reeves film, and I hope. I'm not trying to write the movie in my head and I'm going to go along with the ride and whatever it ends up being, I'm going to try to enjoy it and appreciate it for what it is. I'm just, I just, I'm just hoping that Batman uh, on film, so to speak, goes <laughs> back in that direction of not like the Nolan movies because the Nolan films are their own beast and they're in a vacuum and they're wonderful. But I, you know, I don't want a repeat of those. I just want that feeling back. Mm. And so I'm excited to cover that movie. And I think we're going to get some stuff that's going to, be coming our way pretty soon in terms of announcements. And then um, I'm really pumped about the Joker film. And and from what I understand about that movie is that it's certainly in its own world, 100%. And um, it's a pretty twisted flick. So, yeah, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to it. And uh, we, 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 you know, we talked about it uh, when that trailer dropped and uh, you know, it definitely feels different, as I've said before. I think this is the the film that that was made for me because um, I'm pretty convinced that these other movies are not. Uh, but you know, to your point about Batman, I mean, I think, you know, disconnecting him entirely from uh, the likes of Shazam and the likes of Aquaman, I think, will benefit the film. Uh, it'll certainly make me way more interested in it. Um, but uh, I, I also think it'll also it, it will just help us to avoid any confusion between is this Affleck's Batman or is this what like what you know what's going on here with the continuity? Not that everyone pays that much attention to continuity like I do, but you know I think I think that will uh, is a safer it'll be a safer bet and it will allow Matt Reeves to kind of flex a little bit on the story that he could tell. Absolutely, and just. For everybody to understand, I know that we've had Shazam and, and quite frankly, Aquaman as well, um, but we still really actually haven't had a DC, quote, DCEU film under this new regime and this new direction that they're going in. We haven't had one yet because Shazam was happening prior to all those transitions and all those changes. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised they kept that ridiculous Superman cameo in at the end of that movie. I think that's I think it's bunk, and I think it's just... I think it's just one more slap in the face to that 
incarnation of Superman. Like, because yep. I, I don't think we're going to see that Superman again. I don't think we're going to see Cavill again. If I'm proven wrong on that, I'm fine because I like Cavill a lot. In fact, I would dare to say I loved him in Men of Steel. And I think he's got a lot of potential to be a great Superman. But I just don't think we're going to, we're, we, you know, we're going to see him again. So he gets this movie. That's kind of a mixed bag to most people, even though I like, which is Man of Steel. And then and then in the sequel, quote-unquote sequel, he's now second billing. He's reduced to like 40-something lines. And then he dies at the end, even though his death wasn't deserving. And then we get this ridiculous mother box, dig him up, pet cemetery bullshit, and then a CGI'd mouth. And that's his third <laughs> film. And then in his fourth film, it's not even him, and it's a cameo with a suit, and he's headless. And he's standing there in a scene that makes the children's transformation as superheroes and Shazam anticlimactic now because now they're suddenly excited about Superman showing up even though they've possessed superpowers themselves. It just it's it's just it's just been a mess in a lot of ways. And so I liked Shazam fine, but I'm gonna emphasize the word liked. It's it's not some great movie. Uh, it's certainly not some, oh the best DC film since the Dark Knight. I okay. That's what you think. That's cool. Not, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I don't dislike it like you do. Like you kind of hate it, right? Who are you talking to me? Well, uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, but I don't. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, nah, I'm, I'm good. I, I think it's, I, I think it, yeah. I, I thought it was fine. okay. I didn't think it's a, it a shinope cool. for me. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I didn't hate <laughs> it. Like Aaron hated. It. I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah, it just um, and I, I have a feeling that when I watch it, like again, like at home, I'll probably enjoy it a little bit more. You'll um, rewatch that movie? Yeah, well, of course. I, listen, <sighs> I've rewatched almost. I've rewatched far worse movies than that. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought it was cute. Like it's like a cute, yeah, kind of family no, no, no. film. It, it, but I don't. That wasn't necessarily what I was hoping for from that character. But like at the end of the day, that's kind of where I left off with that. No, it's cute, and the second half is actually pretty damn good. The first half kind of sucks, quite frankly. Aquaman uh, grew on me. It really did. I, I actually ended up kind of liking that movie. Um, I really like a lot of the visuals. I, I love um, – there's a lot of about Aquaman that I like, so I, I can say that I like Aquaman. Um, but I, I'm more interested to see where these films are going under the true new direction of what they say is is character driven and director driven and not worried about connective universes. And look, man, we we debate this sometimes way too much um, online and, and through Batman on film or whatever. At the end of the day, I don't really give a shit if it's just good. It's good, and I'm and I'm I'm not going to resist liking something because it's not necessarily the, the direction that I think is the the key to success for these films to be their best. Because I could be wrong on that. I certainly have been wrong before, and I just want it to be good. I just personally think there's a specific direction they should go in. And quite frankly, Endgame reinforces that opinion. Because I watch Endgame going, this is a freaking masterpiece. of a. Of, this is a beautiful cinematic achievement. And think about the work that went into this. The years, the 22 films, and just the world building. Like, that's what it's all about. If you're not going to go there, and you're, you're not going to do it like they do it, then just don't do it at all. Because it, you know, you, you compare Justice League to Endgame. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, right. compare Justice League to the first Avengers. Or that too, right? And I'm not even the yeah. biggest fan of the first Avengers, but yes, compared to Justice League, it's absolutely on a whole different world. Yeah. So just 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 focus on these characters. So it'll, it'll be interesting, guys, to see like Wonder Woman eighty four, Birds of Prey. We'll yeah. set aside um, 
Joker because that's very definitively it's its, its own thing. And then we'll see about the Suicide Squad 2 thing, man. It's you know you have a producer coming out going, we're ignoring the other film. It's a complete and total reboot, but you know we're using fifty percent of the cast. I can still justify that and say I, I know what they're saying. They're keeping what's worked, but but they're not. But they're still ignoring everything. Right. But still, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. I don't care. But as far as Batman specifically, to come all the way full circle to your question, I want Batman to be its own thing. That's my that's my only request. Do what you want to do with the other properties. Make them good. Have Superman and Aquaman high fiving each other. Whatever. If it works, it works. And I'll enjoy it. But just you know, if you're going to have Batman in there, fine. But have a separate Batman. That's just not part of that. Yeah. That's you know what I mean. That's just me. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because um, I had the cough. Anyways, um... <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, all that happy. Do, 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 do you want to hear a quick coughing story? Go ahead. Okay, I'll tell the story because I can talk about it publicly now. So I have a political podcast, and I'm not here to plug that because it's not an appropriate place to plug it, but just it's purposes of the conversation. I booked um, probably the most high-profile guest I've had on so far. It's a media personality. His name is Teray. Um, if anybody knows who that is, he's, he used to have a show on MSNBC. He's been on every political from, I don't know, from Bill Maher to Chris Matthews to Rachel Maddow. He's been on you know morning shows. He's a writer. He was on the board of the, uh, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was on a BET correspondent. I mean, he's the real deal. So I have him on, and we're having a – he's actually in New York. He's in Brooklyn. And uh, he needed to record the show through his phone because he has like a studio studio, but his apartment or his house, he doesn't have that. So so I had to set it up to do through my phone. Well, as you know, and as you just did when you're doing podcasts, you can hit mute, right? And mute, you don't record. You don't hear yourself. Um, So I had this major coughing – fit. And I, I almost wanted to postpone the show, but I was nervous because he was such a high profile guest and it took a while to book him. So I told my co-host who does this political show with me, Jeremy Grokley, I was like, all right, man, I'm gonna have to lean on you a lot. I'm going to mute when I cough because I'm going to these coughing attacks. So we're, we are recording the show and several times I'm muting throughout the show. And I mean like, <laughs> you know, of course they don't hear me. It's muted. No big deal. I come back. So we get the show up put the intro, the outro, we kind of listen to a couple minutes of it. Sounds good. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. You know how it is sometimes. Like, this is, yeah, no, there was no mistakes. Well, Teray retweets, oh. retweets this thing to his, I don't know what he has. I have to go 700,000 followers or, oh, I don't geez. know, is it, is it that many? I don't know. He's got a lot. Uh, it's like 20, 30,000 minimum. And he's a, he's a celebrity. And uh, <laughs> the show's up for a couple of hours. And Suddenly, I think a buddy texts me. I, I, I'm listening to the show in my car. I know that. And guys, he's talking and making a point about something. And oh. over and over him, you're hearing me going. <coughs> so oh, I sort of got. So what happened is whatever the software I was using through Skype to do this thing over the phone, it was still recording me. Even though the mic was muted and they didn't hear it, it was still recording it. Oh man! <laughs> right, and so this shows up. He's retweeted it, 
And it's like the most offensive, gratuitous thing ever because here he is talking and I'm gagging, <laughs> coughing over him. It's almost like I superimposed it because it wasn't happening in real time in his ears because he didn't hear it. It was a nightmare. Oh my God, man. It was a nightmare. So I had, so um, Justin Klosky used to be with BOF, uh, Let's Go Podcast, still friend of ours. Um, uh, anyway, I had, I, I, he had access to all my stuff and I, at the time and I called him and was like, Where are you? Can you take that show down? So he, he he takes it down, and I have to like pull over and send Torrey an email, like explaining, "Hey, de- delete your retweet because it's a tweet unavailable." Some technical issues. Oh, guys, it was ridiculous, man. And then I had to send it to this, I had to send it to this lady, and it cost me like three or four hundred bucks to get oh, it edited, shit. so she so she could take the coughing out. But I couldn't. I had to salvage the show. There's no way that show wasn't going live. Wow. There's just no way. So like two days later, three, four hundred bucks later, I got it up and he ends up retweeting it. He was pretty cool about it, but it was just anyway, that was my story. I just want to share that with you guys because wow, it's it sucked, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. Anyway. anyway. Uh so Rick, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much again for not only joining this show, but for your continued support of our podcast, the Fanboy Garage. And uh since you were our first guest, we'll let you do some plugs and and, uh, and get out of here, man. Uh, you know, just follow me on Twitter at shoerick, S-H-E-W-R-I-C-K. Follow us at Batman on Film. And then uh, we have, I mentioned it earlier, we have our new podcast that was sort of our botch vlog. And we talk uh, Avengers Endgame, box office numbers, Rise of Skywalker trailer, Matrix, Dark Knight trilogy, and wow. who has and what and who has the best bat suit? Which I'll give you a little sneak peek. In my opinion, it's still Michael Keaton, nineteen eighty nine. I'm going with, with the Panther. Batman Begins. I love that suit too. It's yeah. my second favorite. Yeah. Cool. Well, Rick, thanks again. Always a pleasure, and uh, we'll catch you catch you on the next one. Congratulations on one year, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. All right. So thanks again to Rick for joining us. And we have our final guest here on the anniversary show. The man who is really responsible for this whole thing being a thing. Aaron and I listened to his podcast, started interacting with him on Twitter and we met at the very first uh, L Fanboy Watch Party. And mm-hmm. that's what ultimately led to all of this. He is the editor-in-chief of Revenge of the Fans, the one and only Mario Francisco Robles. Welcome for the first <laughs> time to the Fanboy Garage. Wow, what an introduction. Wow, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. You know, I still remember when this show began its life as like a Twitter exchange where you guys were going off for hours talking about film score <laughs> and, you know, and talking about, oh, I could talk about this for days. And then Tavo Borrego was like, I could listen to this for days. If only someone had a podcast and would do that. And he like dropped that hint. And Chris was like, hmm, I'll file that under advisement or something. And it took a little time. But then all of a sudden, I remember you guys started posting these GIFs of garage doors opening and closing. And I'm like, oh, these two guys are up to something. Mm. What is going on? And then you drop the fanboy garage. And I'm just, you know, I, I'm tickled. It's been a year. Happy anniversary, guys. I'm glad to see that the show is thriving, that you guys are having fun, and that this is going so well. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
I don't even know where to start from there. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, uh, thank you. And um, <clears throat> you know, we had we had Thabo on a little a little while oh, ago. Did you? That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, you know, sort of sharing our our uh, gratitude to him for for that exchange. And yep. um, you know, it's been it's been a crazy a crazy year uh, for the show. Uh, it just continues. I mean, we talked a little bit about this in our in our opening, but it just continues to grow tremendously. And um, and we know that it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be happening without the support uh, from from folks like Thabo, but but most importantly from folks like you who, um, you know, linked us up with Revenge of the Fans and yeah. um, you know continue to help promote the show. So so a big Absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Well, listen, you guys are that's it. You you got in at the ground level. You guys are, you know, your support. You know, it, this is all cyclical because it's your support that led me to wanting to launch the website. You know, guys like you were so, you know, like just such amazing supporters. And you made me really believe that I could do this even as a solo act. And you made me kind of like you drove me to want to keep on creating and pushing and exploring this whole world. So when I think about like my core crew, when I think about the people who who were basically the spark that lit the fire that led to Revenge of the Fans, I think about Aaron Vrola, I think about Chris Lasanti, I think about Tavo Borrego. That's like my core three. You guys, you know. So that's why like this whole nucleus has given birth to a lot. We've created a lot together in a way. That's why I'm kind of like hesitant to take any credit because I'm I'm totally motivated. I get my fire from the fact that you guys seem to give a damn what I have to say. So I really owe you guys a debt of gratitude for making me think that this was worth exploring. And then the fact that I explored it and then kind of handed the baton back to you. So now you guys get this going. It's just, you know, it's poetic in a way. So thank you guys for helping me want to do any of this. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Look at this. This is going to be us, like, just, you know, just patting. Oh, yeah, we'll just be patting each yeah. other on the back the whole time. This is one big circle jerk. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I just try to, yeah, it's hard for me to not curse, but, uh, you know, I can, I can be a little it's dirty. It's your sometimes. show. You do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny because when we, well, first of all, uh, we still owe novel that uh soundtrack episode yes. yeah you do <laughs> it's a sore subject that uh, we don't we bring it up but uh we try to keep it quiet just because uh you know we haven't done that episode yet yeah uh, it, well, i'm it, sorry to bring up a sore spot <laughs> it, it's it's coming it's coming we'll we'll, we'll get there in year two um okay. you know so um no but uh you know it's it, it's kind of funny sort of looking back on the evolution of of sort of both both of our shows and and you know revenge of the fans and and the fanboy garage and all of that and um to see how how things have kind of evolved in the year i know it's been a big year for for you and for um for the shows that that you're on like uh, the revengers and and even the sort of transition from l fanboy to the fanboy yeah um you know so it's it's i don't know you know for us you know what we thought was one of those things where we're like, yeah, okay, we'll do this and we'll wait and see and see how it goes has really turned into something a lot bigger than I think, you know, we initially anticipated. And, and as I've said before, uh, you know, week in and week out, uh, this show just continues to grow, which is a little, 
weird. We're like, okay, so. And, and isn't it amazing the, the the finding your voice, this whole process of of expressing yourself freely and passionately in an unfiltered, real way, and then hearing feedback from total strangers who are like, you know what? I relate to that, or I want to, you know, I, I care enough to respond to you, even if it's to disagree. Like to me, that give and take with the audience is what makes this whole thing so fun. And I, I always love watching you guys interact with your listeners because it's like this community that we're building here, like this is what makes it special. And, and fans, you know, finding their voices and taking initiative and going, you know what, I love this enough to, to kind of see what happens. I'm going to, you know, I'm just, I, I love this enough. To, to invest this time and energy and passion into it. And, I'm, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's great to see what you guys have done. Yeah, and talking about that community, I mean, we had it earlier uh, in the show, we had one of, our, uh, one of our listeners and supporters on, Nathan, who we interact with a lot on Twitter. And Nathan has a podcast now. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, so, huh? like, he they just dropped episode <laughs> two this week, and it's just there like, here we go. So it's like... Yep. This is really, I mean, it's it's world building to use yeah, a term the, from the, our the world, baton right? Keeps getting passed. Yeah, and it's just, uh, it's all about, and this community is really the the best thing that comes out of all of this because yeah. it's the thing that makes it fulfilling and the thing that that makes it real. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is it it's also helped us branch into different avenues, right? So you know, initially, I think when we first started this podcast, there. You know, we wanted to focus predominantly on nostalgia and sort of looking back on the things and the films that have influenced us the most. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, now it's become one of those things where we have a community of listeners that really jive with wrestling. Right. So they come on <laughs> to the show and yeah. and they share, you know, some of their their insights and experiences with things that are percolating in that world. And, um, you know, folks that are, are diehard Star Wars fans that want to continue and have those kinds of conversations with all the latest things happening in that world. Yeah. And, you know, it's been it's been a fascinating and fun ride. And, um, you know, I know year two is going to be even bigger and we'll finally <laughs> yeah. we'll finally deliver on that on that music episode. For sure. <laughs> that was, so that we was say, that. so write it down on, we, we announced it on the well, one I mean, year anniversary episode. We have to episode. do it. Yeah, of course we yeah. have to do it. We have to do it. This, I mean, technically this episode probably should have been it, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here in we theory. are. Yeah. So, uh, so what's going on though in the world right now of, uh, of fandom that's getting you excited? What's getting me excited? I don't know. I mean, all, all this debate online this week about Game of Thrones and stuff, it's honestly one of those areas where I'm like, you know, people got to chill out a little bit. You know, I, 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 I get very anxious about feeling that people have this, this innate desire nowadays to spew their hot takes as quickly as possible, as soon as something ends. No one takes any time to digest anything anymore no one you know i'm gonna sleep on this you know the oh this movie or this tv show i found somewhat unsettling or it didn't go the way i thought and you know i got i gotta i gotta wrestle with this a little bit let, let me talk to one of my best friends about it you know no one like takes any time to just sit and digest mm. it feels like as soon as the credits roll everyone has to jump online and lock in some crazy hot take Mm. And just, you know, that, that to me jumped out at me this week about just a trend within fandom. But I wish people would just like, you know, back off on a little bit. 
You know, sometimes you, you, you're an opinion. You're whenever your your first gut instinct is isn't always right on a piece of work, especially if it's something that challenges you. Right. If it's something that, that that kind of like you know goes against your expectations, if it subverts what you wanted to see, if it's something that basically goes, yeah, I know you cared about this, but you know what? We're going to spin that whole thing on its head. Sometimes it takes you a little while to come around to it. But yeah. people don't really do that in the online discourse. A lot of times it's like, here's my 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 gut reaction and now I'm gonna fight with you about it because you know that's just how it is. Now I have to defend my hot take. Right. So that's just something that, you know, this week it's been on my mind. But on a positive end, you know, I really love that endgame has become this like galvanizing force. Within, like, the Marvel fandom, I feel. I know there's a lot of debates online about the time travel this or little inadequacies and everyone's trying to pick it apart. I was even sort of guilty of that when I wasn't sure how I felt about certain things. But mm -hmm. by and large, it feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is running a victory lap right now. And it's really cool because they've really earned it. After 11 years of putting in the work and building this marvelous world, no pun intended, you know, <laughs> it's really exciting to kind of watch you know, the, the fandom unite around this very, very special movie. And for me, what's even more exciting is entering the great unknown right now. Mm. Because leading into the Infinity Saga, before we knew it was the Infinity Saga, there was a very linear plan put in place. It was explained to us in a very easy to digest way. Oh, they're going to introduce us. <clears throat> sorry. They're going to introduce us to four heroes. And then there's going to be a massive crossover event called the Avengers. And we kind of knew that plan, you know, mm -hmm. going into it. Now, with Endgame ending, yeah, sure, we know several of the films that are on the way, but I still don't think, you know, that they have not really revealed what the overarching plan is now. Are we going to start off a new saga? You know, this was the Infinity Saga. Are we going to start a new one now? Or are we going to go into a whole new unexplored territory where it's nothing but standalones or small little crossovers for a long time before we build to the next big thing? Like, we're in this great unknown, and that's very exciting for me. Yeah, you know, on that thought, do you think that because now you know, Marvel, the MCU is a very different thing now, right? Than it was when it first yeah. started. So now that it's a fully realized thing, do you think they go in the direction now with this next phase, whatever it's going to be, of sort of announcing ahead of time what the big arc is going to be, assuming there is one? Or do you think they kind of still follow the similar model where we get maybe a couple of films and then after a few films in, you know, they'll give us like a post credit scene that'll sort of let us know, okay, this is just like we got Thanos at the end of Avengers. Yeah. You know, are we going to get something like that that kind of lets us know in the moment oh, this is where we're going with this. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. That's a great question because we keep hearing from two different Disney people now that they're planning on announcing, you know, like the the next wave of films or whatever, you know, shortly after, you know, Far From Home comes out. You know, they're going to sort of unveil their phase four vision. But I wonder, yeah, like how specific are they going to be? You know, are they going to mention like now we're going to start, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I am very curious to see my, my gut, tells me since they've been favoring so much about the secrecy and keeping things tight-lipped and we can't talk about this until that movie comes out and this, I feel like it's going to slowly reveal itself, you know? I, mm. I do think, like you said, kind of like the Thanos reveal, only the difference is, you know, like 
heading into the the initial wave of Marvel films, you know, we were given a general outline. So even the Thanos thing was a surprise, but we knew that like, you know, they were in introducing Infinity Stones, and that was sort of on the horizon. If you were a hardcore, you know, nerd, I have a feeling for this, they're not going to tell us anything. We're not going to have any clues until that thing happens in the fourth or fifth film, where it's like, that's what those teasers are for. Oh my goodness, you know what I mean? That's kind of like my gut. Um, so I mean, it'll likely probably go cosmic if anything like that hope maybe i don't know but but the other thing now is you know that one line that was dropped uh by peter parker in the far from home trailer about multiverse yeah that opens up a whole other bag of worms it opens up a whole other bag of worms but then there's also the people who point out that this comes from mysterio the notorious liar So is there, you know, so like for some reason, there's been a little bit of that brushback. And I don't know if that's just fans pointing it out because they know Mysterio so well. Or if he's a con man, is he going to try to use what, you know, the Thanos thing to his advantage? And the multiverse thing is a bit of like a con job that he's, Mm, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by that. But more than anything, I'm actually very intrigued by the Eternals. Mm -hmm. I feel like. You know, I feel like this has been under a lot of people's radars for a while. And yes, they've been quietly getting the pieces in place. But like, you know, they're they're much closer to starting than I think people like really realize. Like, you know, they have a production start date that's just a couple months away. It's in August that they're going to already start filming this very, you know, this this film that none of us really know about yet. And I feel like, you know, the Eternals is going to be a total surprise to people, just like the Guardians of the Galaxy was when that first came out. You know, the Eternals has all this kind of built in mystery and they're literally like, you know, I I was speaking to a contact of mine that like right now they're moving at a breakneck pace so that they can start in August. They're kind of pushing through a lot of paperwork, dotting their I's, crossing their T's because the Eternals are on the way very soon. So I am very curious to see. You know, we got those rumors about Richard Madden being up for a lead role. You got Angelina Jolie in there. I mean, I have a feeling the Eternals is going to be that thing that like nobody really saw coming, but it's going to suddenly become like a huge part of whatever Phase Four is. You know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, for me, I think it's the sort of grounding uh grounding phase four with the 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 characters that we're already familiar with like the ones we obviously assume are going to get sequels like black panther and captain mm-hmm. marvel and whatever but also you know watching marvel stretch in those new directions having taken cues from their success with guardians of the galaxy and sort of introducing us to those those new characters or those obscure characters that not many mainstream audiences know, right? Yeah, and uh, and building building their universe and around Shang-Chi those folks. Shang Chi and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's like who? <laughs> yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like something I was talking about on the Revengers a few weeks ago, was that and 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 they seem to be doing it. Is I was looking forward to more of these like subtle team up movies. We don't, I don't need a huge Avengers thing right. where there's 39 heroes, but things like Thor Ragnarok where there was a Hulk in a Thor movie. You know, then they just set up what looks like a Guardians 3 that has Thor in it. Like, I'd love to see more of those little subtle Mm -hmm. crossover team-up things. I I don't need, I don't know about you guys, but I don't need another Avengers movie for at least another five or six years. I I would totally be fine if we got a bunch of stuff that's like Ragnarok or, Mm -hmm. you know, Guardians 3 with with Thor in it, that sort of thing. But how do you guys feel? Are you hoping 
that there's a, a, a you know fifth Avengers movie in another three or four years? Or are you kind of happy to see that kind of rest for a bit? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with not getting an Avengers movie. I, I'm honestly good with if we don't get one like a proper movie called The Avengers. I'm okay if we don't actually get one again. Uh, yeah. Just create yeah. big events, and you know, you could do like a Civil War type movie that doesn't have to. That could just be its own thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just make it like an event, like a Secret Wars movie. It doesn't have to be an Avengers. It doesn't have to be called Avengers Secret Wars, you know, or yeah. whatever Secret Wars. It can just be Secret Wars. Just like I kind of thought Civil War should have just been called like Marvel Civil War instead of slapping the Captain America name on it because it doesn't yeah. quite fit the movie exactly, but I sort yeah. of does in ways, but doesn't in others. So I think they could have gone that. I, I'd like to see them go that direction. Yeah. Do you, Do you think that they kind of use that model the avengers model to form the x-men uh like I mean, that would be ooh, you know it's monumental a, yes. like a so like it's a solo wolverine movie a solo rogue movie a solo yeah, you know what i mean I, I, I tend to doubt i mean it's a cool idea but at this point like i don't know that that, that they want to wait that long you know because mm. they, they've already got right. a few years worth of movies so to then like do a few years of these and then start an X-Men thing, that means like we're really not touching the X-Men for a while. Then again, you know, Kevin Feige has made certain references that, you know, we have this five-year plan. So maybe they are planning on putting them on ice for quite that long, which, you know, is, you know, I mean, I don't know how I'd feel about that. You know, I, I guess I'm just being a little greedy. I'm excited to see <laughs> what they do with the X-Men. But yeah, it could be a few years, and I guess I should sort of mentally prepare for that. Although plans yeah. change, and we know, like, I mean, obviously Spider-Man was not a part of their original plans yeah, for obvious true. reasons. Yeah. And when clearly when that changed, their plans changed, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, things I think can change like that, too. Uh, you know, they may have had a five-year plan, and, and I'm sure they did, but now all of a sudden... They have Fantastic yeah. Four and the X-Men at their disposal yeah. and everything that comes with those properties. So why wouldn't you change? You know, right. I mean, so you've got like the cosmic elements that obviously would rope in, you know, the Fantastic Four, uh, which I would love to see another, another take on a Silver Surfer. But then you also have, you know, the extension of Black Panther and his connection to someone like Storm, uh, who, you know, could they could hypothetically start you know, exploring the X-Men route, uh, in his sequel. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I thought, I mean, and then you look at Captain Marvel and her connection to, to rogue. Um, so they've got, they've got some, some chess pieces got on the some board to cover. Yeah. 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 I'm excited to see like of the films that have been announced. I'm just curious, like Chris, you know, wh which one kind of has your attention the most right now? Cause whatever, what have they announced? They got like the Eternals, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, uh, is that it for now? Oh, they've they've announced Black Panther two. Right. that Googler's returning, and that they're writing that, but they haven't really announced what like a Doctor Strange two yet, they or a Captain Marvel two yet. No. So of the stuff that's announced, which one like has perked up your attention, Chris? You know, so well, and obviously Guardians Volume three too is. We know that that's a thing. Too, yeah. Right? So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that that has my interest only because. You know, I've been a huge fan of that little franchise within the franchise, Guardians of the mm -hmm. Galaxy. Uh, and if Thor is in it, even better. Uh, yeah. Black Panther, I just thought was so great that I, you know, I certainly would love to see that again. Yeah. 
you know, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't know much about the Eternals. I'm not going to pretend mm-hmm. that I do. I mean, I've read yeah. a little bit about it, you know, since they announced it and whatnot, just to get a little familiar with it. Um, yeah. So I, I can't honestly say that I'm like super excited for it. Like, I'll have to see something for that. First it's interesting. I, it's interesting and somewhat telling, possibly, that the ones you're most interested in are sequels to already well, established sure. characters rather yeah. than the newbies. Yeah, and and that yeah. can change because you know I was not excited yeah. at all for Guardians of the Galaxy when it was coming out, and I, I yeah. could not have loved that movie any more than I did. So, and then now, I just said it's probably the third one's going to be one of my most anticipated. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, it, you know these new properties they have to win you over, right? And that's yeah. that's what Marvel has done well is they've gotten you yeah. invested in characters, you know, like. Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, I think, the biggest yeah. achievement, uh, and mm-hmm. Ant Man, and even Captain Ant-Man. Marvel. I mean, I, I, as much as yeah. I didn't love Captain Marvel, but I mean, clearly, I'm invested in that character because I think the character's great. Character yeah. was better than the movie. Um, so yeah, so they have me and even Black Panther. I mean, I, I was somewhat yeah, familiar no, with Black say, Panther, yeah. but like, and, and if you look at the amount of money that movie made, you know, just. It's mind-boggling. I had forgotten. I mean, I knew it was one point three billion, but I had forgotten that movie made seven hundred million dollars domestically, which is and yeah, made more than Infinity unreal. War, which is astonishing to me. Yeah, that they could take a property like that and do what they did with it. So Marvel has been so good at at making me care about things that I didn't really care about that much to begin with. That um, that could change. My opinion could change very easily once we start to see more from these sort of unknown properties. And now let me kind of pivot that and ask you, Aaron. You know, and I love how I'm asking questions, but whatever, it's what I do. Um, <laughs> it's like now, like with Chris's answer, right? And the kind of talking about sequels to established characters rather than new ones. Mm-hmm. You know, what if Chris is a microcosm of the general public, or do you think he possibly is? Yeah, you know, the question really becomes now as Marvel pushes into very new territory now with characters like Shang-Chi and Eternals and kind of straying a little bit off the beaten path, do you think that by now the Marvel Studios brand has gotten so strong that even if there are very few familiar faces for a while, that these films will still be a success? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think it, it depends on the casting. I think it and most importantly it depends on the story. But I think it has enough goodwill for folks to trust in mm-hmm. um, in the story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other piece of that is, while the Eternals themselves may be obscure characters, they might be facing off against a villain that's very, very familiar to people. That's true. That's and that, true. and that, you know, that's that's the other half of the coin, right? If they create a compelling villain. Uh, who you know essentially sets the stage if it's something like Galactus or something. I like knew that, you were gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, you know, they set the stage for that, or even the Silver Surfer. Yeah. Um, you know, that's gonna open up a open up a door for people to get really, really invested in these characters without them even knowing or caring who they were before that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do uh, with sure. these. I mean, again, you know, to Chris's point. They did a phenomenal job at making me give a damn about a talking raccoon and a, yeah. you know, a talking tree. And um, so. by the way, like Guardians of the Galaxy, for me, is the perfect example of what I was talking about a few minutes ago. About how like sometimes your initial read on a movie can be way off 
you know, and you guys know this. Mm -hmm. you know, I was not crazy about the first Guardians or the second, but I was not a big Guardians believer for a long time. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, three times, and it took the third time for me to fall head over heels in love with that movie. Mm. That movie, I, I, it, now it's like one of my favorites. And James Gunn went from being a director I was eh on to one I'm dying to see what he does next, which is crazy, by the way, that he's directing back-to-back -back DC and Marvel, which that's in and of itself mind-blowing. But Guardians is a perfect example of that. Like that, that first instinct is not always right. Sometimes you have to you know, let it simmer. You have to really think and let it you know, run its way through you before you decide how you feel and not just rush to judgment. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for you to give me your your newfound take on Luke Skywalker throwing that lightsaber over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I could not miss my opportunity. No, no, no. But you're you're hundred percent. You're you're hundred percent right. I mean, I think for uh, for some folks, you know, uh, some of these films were were misses, and as they've sort of percolated over time, and as you've sort of met those characters again in different films. Yeah. Um, you know, like. Peter Quill, for example, in Infinity War and, and that story and his motivation with losing Gamora and all of that, um, you know, you, you start to appreciate uh, the other films a little differently. And, the whole, you know, again, the fact that you give a damn and you start to get emotional over Groot, yeah. you know, sacrificing himself for everybody, that's it's huge. Yeah, yeah. And also when you have these huge event films, right, like these, like Infinity War and Endgame, you can start to see characters that... So I... I like Doctor Strange, the movie. Um, it's, you know, it's not one that I've rewatched over and over again, but I, I liked it when I saw it in theaters, and I'm a Benedict mm -hmm. Cumberbatch fan, so that was kind of dream casting for me, but I got more excited to see another Doctor Strange movie after Infinity War, because he agreed. was so Same much here. cooler in that movie than he was in his own yep. film. So I, that's why, like, I'm hoping we get another se uh, sequel to Doctor Strange, more so than because of how much I loved his solo film i agree no absolutely 100 percent. yep that movie's what what really kind of locked it in for me i mean in general that's something that infinity war did masterfully that i don't know and that Endgame quite did but it's okay i don't want to compare the two they're both marvel you know wonderful in their own ways but infinity war like had this wonderful way of retroactively making some of the films that led to it better Mm -hmm. You know, it made you want to go revisit it. Now certain things had a little more depth to them. And like why, going back and watching Ragnarok, knowing what happens at the beginning of Infinity War totally kind of adds gravitas to that. Like there was all kinds of examples. Like I mean, maybe that's why I liked Guardians of the Galaxy so much more, having seen it that third time post-Infinity War, because that's when it finally kind of locked into place for me. But Infinity War is a, it, it was it was a great film in that it really made all of its predecessors stronger in a way. Endgame, in a way, I think with the time travel stuff might like wreak havoc on the past. I don't want to go into that with you guys right now. Mm. But but, it, but like I think that's that, that that's one achievement that Infinity War had that I don't know that Endgame did. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, switching gears a little bit, let's go to the other franchise, <laughs> DC. Yes. So, I, I mean, obviously we've got, um, you know, the Batman, uh, on the horizon, but, uh, most importantly, we've got Birds of Prey and, and this Joker film, which is dropping a yeah, lot sooner than people think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's, what's getting you excited about all that stuff? 
I mean, right now, you know, the, the the Joker movie looks astounding to me. It looks like Martin Scorsese set loose on the Joker mythology. It looks like it's going to be disturbing and strange and weird and tragic and just utterly surprising. And honestly, you know, that's why I've been on a kick, like trying to warn people for a long time that this movie's not going to be what you expect it to be. And that trailer sort of backed that up. Everything mm-hmm. I've heard from from on you know on set little birds that you know uh, bring information my way, is that this movie's going to throw a lot of people for a loop with some of the you know some of the twists it takes, some of the things it has to say about the world, something about the way that Todd Phillips approached the material. There's a lot about this film that's going to be very surprising, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's supposedly being launched outside of canon, which I know for you, the continuity king, Aaron, you know, I don't know how your mind's going to reconcile that. Or maybe that, maybe knowing that it's completely devoid of connection will be good for you because then it's like, okay, good. I don't have to worry about if this lines up with anything. Yeah, um, I mean, I talked a little bit about this with Rick, uh, yeah. but I'm all for the disconnection to yeah. everything else because I'm convinced that the new breed of dc films is just not for me so bring on joker yeah yeah it's funny because for you they're like oh and two so far with under the new regime you guys didn't like aquaman that much and you didn't care for shazam that much so yeah joker joker is going to be the hopefully the thing that pulls you back in yeah i mean i'm definitely going to see it uh that trailer has me all types of intrigued and um yeah it's just it it uh it's taking itself seriously and yeah. you know obviously Joaquin Phoenix is is a tremendous actor yeah uh but um it looks and feels different and that, yeah. that's that's what I'm that's what I'm uh, excited for and I'm still fascinated by like the whole marketing subplot here about like how are they going to handle this how are they going to actually try to explain to the prospective audience that this is set beyond the worlds of dc and this is its own thing because mm-hmm. you know the original thing was they were going to announce an elseworld banner of some sort you know it'd be, it'd be released under a different shingle but meanwhile you look at the trailer and all it says is dc it just shows the standard dc logo Right. You know, so like I wonder, are they going to with the next trailer or something, are they going to try to like demarcate and call attention to the fact that this is something different or are they just kind of going to throw it out there and see what the audience thinks and see if anyone cares? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just curious. I I wonder about that. My only concern there is with with them not distinguishing this as a book, you know, brand, it begs the question that if it makes crazy money, will they look to kind of shoehorn it some way into an existing universe or an existing narrative that, that kind of plays to the bigger picture? Well, see, like I wouldn't call it shoehorning, but in general, it seems like the, 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 the prevailing, you know, philosophy at DC entertainment right now that Walter Hamada is really into is not closing doors, leaving lots of options open on the table so that they can then make whatever pivots and changes they need to make along the way. Because, like, for example, like, you know, people talk about the Batman movie. Will it be a prequel to BVS? Or is it set in the same world? Is this supposed to be the Ben Affleck Batman, but younger and yada, yada, yada? And, you know, from everything I've been told, it's like, technically, yes. But you wouldn't know it by watching the movie. Because what they're going to do more than anything is not 
outright contradict anything that's happened already, but they're just going to tell a totally standalone story that's set way in the past. So it doesn't really matter if it's connected or not. You know, they're doing a lot of that sort of stuff where they're just leaving little back doors open. So then once they get the feedback from their audience, from their customers of what they like and don't like, then I think at retroactively, they will then go, okay, so then this is with that and that is with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems to be like they're trying to leave all kinds of options on the table. It's a very sort of, you know, it's a, in my mind, like risky way to go. But I guess, you know, as long as, I don't know, as long as the movies are good, right? As long as the movies yep. are great and, you know, the, there is some sort of, you know, hopefully someone in the background keeping tabs on what's working and what's not. And then maybe putting together some sort of master plan so it doesn't feel quite so you know, uh, reactionary or thrown together, you know, like that, that, I got very excited on, uh, on the Revengers like two months ago when there was all this talk about how Warner brothers was the top bidder for bad robot for JJ Abrams production shingle. And it got me thinking like, if we could get JJ Abrams who did such a good job, like masterminding the rebirth of Star Wars, somehow involved with the worlds of DC, I think that would be an absolute game changer. But I mean, that's total like pie in the sky stuff, but I still get excited just thinking about it. Yeah, J.J. Abrams should clearly, um, he should be handed the reins to, I believe, a Superman trilogy. Oh, and let God. him see yes. it through. And I know a lot of people have talked about that, but and I specifically say a trilogy because... J.J. Abrams has a love affair with the types of movies that we grew up watching, right? Yep. Like Spielberg, giant, yep. huge blockbusters. He could take that from, and he's really good at creating these arcs where he did it with Star Trek, he did it with Star Wars, where you, where he develops these characters from, like, the. he's good at origins and big origins. Yeah. And I just think that it's screaming for that. Um, yeah. So I would love to see that, but just that... My because you've mentioned worlds of DC a couple times, so yeah, one of the reasons why I think that general audiences won't have too much of a problem with all of this stuff, with like multiple jokers and yeah. things like that, potentially, is because and and I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I mentioned it a few times where like Marvel has created a brand on film, right? Where yeah. so like I say, a Marvel movie has become a genre now. You know, people just yeah. want to go see the the new Marvel movie. DC hasn't gotten to that point yet, and that's no, not a bad thing, not. nor is it a knock, because I don't really, I, I don't necessarily think they need to get to that point, because I, I prefer their characters in standalone films, because I, I just think that as someone who's always been more of a DC fan, like in the comics, and, and really up until recently, uh, I've preferred, all of my favorite characters were DC characters, I like those characters to stand alone. Um, I yeah. think the individuals are strong enough whereas with marvel it, it the hole was better, bigger than the sum of the parts so they needed to do it that way um so i think that th the mainstream audiences aren't as familiar with these branding terms worlds of dc dceu yeah. things like that so for me like they're gonna go see a movie a joker movie because joker is a marquee character that they're familiar with and if it's a great movie it's a great movie um, they're not going to be thinking, well, wait a minute, but this isn't the guy that was in Suicide Squad. Like, I don't see a lot of people doing yeah. that. You know, they, they're getting a Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix in it, and they're I, hopefully they're like, cool. <laughs> like, this yeah. is awesome. And and not worry necessarily about whether we see another Joker again down the road. So, And I think with their model now being more standalone, 
they're not looking to connect this stuff as much. You know, yeah. so I, I don't I I think overall in general, I, I don't think we have to worry too much about that because I don't think there will be a time where there's seven jokers floating around. No, I don't, I don't think so. You know, either. which is like the fear. It's like, wait a minute, if you're going to have him in the Batman movie and he's going to have his own movie and then he's going to be in Birds of like, how, how many jokers are we going to have? I don't know that we're really going to get to that point. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree. At the end of the day, it always goes back to one core principle. Just make good movies. Yeah, you know, that's what I've been you saying. You build it, they will come. Yes. You know, all the stuff about, is it interconnected? Is this going to be a prequel to that? Will this, you know, like, listen, in certain key ways, I think they've already shown that these, you know, they're, they're cool with keeping things interconnected. But right now, the priority is, and as it always should have been, making great, you know, stand, each film needs to be able to stand on its own. Yeah. You know, and if we, if, if we get a bunch of those, then I don't really need to worry. I, I'm not too keen on rushing towards a justice league since we were talking about rushing towards an avengers again like i don't need a justice league 2 anytime soon i don't need no. any of that stuff just give me several years of awesome movies about the characters that yeah. i love most and that's all that really matters keep your worlds of dc branding or your elseworld branding just give me great movies yeah i mean we've had you know again it, it's gotten lost i think because so much of the discussion is about the DCEU and like Zack Snyder and this this era of DC movies, but yeah, there've been great DC movie, great movies based on DC characters yeah. before there was an MCU, right? Superman oh, the movie, Superman two, um, yeah. you know, Batman eighty nine, Batman Returns. Yeah. If you're in that camp, that you, you yeah. want, I like <laughs> Batman Returns, so I'm in that. Camp. Uh, I don't. I hope you didn't bring that up when Rick was on. No, no, I know. Yeah. We uh, have in the, the past, though, but yeah, uh, and obviously the the Nolan trilogy, right? So, I mean, these are all, these were great films based on DC characters, based on Superman, based on Batman, before the MCU was a thing, so yeah. it's possible. I mean, these are iconic characters, right? Superman, Batman, yeah. Wonder Woman, so you can very easily make, just give me great movies with a modern take, uh... And make and, them true to the character. I don't need everything to be so connected yeah. that you lose sight of who the characters are because you want everything to have one feel to it. Yeah. Like, I don't absolutely. need... Yeah, don't give me a... Don't create a tone and then shoehorn the characters into that tone. Create yeah. the characters and then figure out a way to put them together because ultimately, the thing that may has always, to me, made the dynamic between, say, Superman and Batman fascinating... Uh, whether it was in the comics, whether it was in the animated series, whatever it was, how how different they are, right? Yeah, they're they're polar opposites in a lot they're of night ways. Night and day. Yeah. So, and that's what always, and that's what creates a natural conflict and, and a natural chemistry in some ways. And even when, like, for the Justice League, I mean, what makes them cool is they're different. Yeah. That should be the emphasis. Like, it doesn't all need to be. They don't all need to be the same. They don't have to have yeah. the same feel, the same tone. That works for Marvel because Marvel, they were doing a very different thing and they needed yeah. to do things their way. Uh, and But so while the MCU was the best thing that ever happened to Marvel, you know, a company that was essentially they yeah. were bankrupt and now, you know, they're worth gazillions. Everything. Yeah. That was the best thing that happened to Marvel and ultimately to, to Disney. Yeah, but DC never needed that. DC never needed it, and it's it, nobody else really needed it. So not everybody needs to follow that model, and I don't really think anybody else should be following that model. Sony certainly didn't need to do it with Spider-Man. They messed up Spider-Man by trying it. 
you know, and uh, yep. you know, people forget that. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> it, which is easy to forget, but let's not forget it because it's not yeah. just Warner Brothers in D.C. that had that problem. A lot of people yep. fell into this trap of we need to have shared universes now and everything oh. needs to be a big universe. And it, it's it has not worked in most cases. Um, it, it has worked not. for Marvel. Great. Let Marvel yeah. have it. You don't need it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, I kind of want to just circle back to Abrams because, you know, look what you did. He got me all excited now about a J.J. Abrams Superman trilogy. Don't don't do that to me. Sorry. But um, but like, you know, what what he has a great knack for is exactly what you think needs to happen. He's good at like finding what it is about these characters, whatever characters they are. He's good at distilling them into what is it that people fell in love with these characters for? What is their essence? And then he takes that thing that they're known for, their core essence, and then he finds a way to modernize it or kind of put his little spin on it. And all of a sudden, a whole new generation is falling in love with these characters or this world that's been around for 40 years. He finds a way to make it fresh. He did it with the Mission Impossible franchise. Absolutely. He did it with the Star Trek franchise. He did it with Star Wars. If he can, I, I think he's got the Midas touch when it comes to that. And it's because he has a little bit of that penchant for the nostalgia. Yeah. You know, because More than a little he bit. grew yeah. up during our era. Yeah. You know, he grew up on this stuff. But again, to me, like I know everyone likes to call the force awakens a retread. And I think that's totally unfair. I'm with you. Yep. But was that, I'm with you on that. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like his strength is like, you know, he takes those things you loved, but then he puts just enough of a fresh coat of paint on it that it becomes new again. And if we could see him with his full creativity unleashed on the Superman mythology, I think he'd hit it out of the park. And and then some people are like, oh, but he already wrote one, Superman Flyby. But you got to remember, that's before J.J. Abrams was J.J. That was a young J.J. Abrams. Yes. Just was writing a script. For a studio that kind of asked him exactly you you had john peters that crazy producer there filling his head with ideas and you know it's listen it's a totally different ball game now abrams there's no way he would do half the harebrained things he thought of at that time nowadays you know so see now you have to go and mention an abrams superman trilogy now it's all i want well yeah because look jj abrams (laughs) a couple things about him and i've talked about this on the show before because i think the guy he gets a almost a bum rap, and I think a big part of it is because he had the gall. Because you know who would want to do this to take on Star Trek and Star Wars? So it was yeah. almost like, oh my god, how? Because you know what fanboy wouldn't want to do that? But yeah. the guy makes really good movies. Yeah, I mean, just look at his you know filmography. You know, and you mentioned Mission Impossible. I mean, yeah, he doesn't get the credit that no, he deserves for that franchise. I mean, Mission Impossible Three is really good, but I mean, he also kind of. It was his guys that turned that yeah. franchise around, even after oh, Mission Impossible 3. You yeah, know, he's these been are, attached to your bad robot. Yeah, been absolutely. And Brad Bird's his guy, and, you know, and that was, yeah. you know, he... T- so, he's got what he did with Star Trek. So, Star, I'm a big Star Trek fan, okay? So, yeah. I don't look at what he did as, like, heresy, like some people do. Yeah. Star Trek 2009, <laughs> to me, is a perfect example of what you're just talking about. How you yeah. can take something wrap it up in nostalgia but put a that exactly like you said that fresh coat of paint on it yeah make it bring it for a new generation a new audience yeah. but still appeal to at least open-minded 
fans yeah. of the original series. And to me, that movie is almost perfect. I love oh, Star absolutely. Trek 2009. Star Trek Into Darkness, I get where people, you know, that he, I could have done without, I would have preferred Benedict Cumberbatch to not be Khan. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I loved his <laughs> character in that movie. Yeah. I didn't necessarily need the the inverted note for note remake of the wrath of Khan at the end that was almost too much fan service but but i i like most of that movie you know i that movie's underrated um and and mainly because of that the way it ends but it's underrated uh and obviously he didn't direct star trek beyond but i mean again it's his still his thing and that that is just like what an episode of star trek the original series would have been if yeah, this totally Kelvin timeline that. people were the guys. So I loved Star Trek Beyond. So yeah, he did that. And and like you said, with Force Awakens, I, I hate when people say The Force Awakens is a retread because you missed the whole point of what the, the plot of that movie is, essentially. Yeah. If you call it a retread, it was essentially, it was supposed to be. Like, the <laughs> First Order, is they took their inspiration from the Empire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so naturally yeah. they were going to mimic some of the things that. Well, here's they the thing, did. though. But, but but even more intrinsically, at, at like a base level, the the like I think what he was trying to achieve with that movie was okay. I need to remind people why they fell in love with this galaxy to begin with. Yeah, because remember the 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 Star Wars movies that had preceded it were the prequels, which were films that sort of like in in the eyes of many, sort of like moved us away from what made the original trilogy so special. So I feel like he looked at the original trilogy and he found like, what are the things that people loved about yep. this? And then now let's build on that. Let's bring some of the, the, the familiar, let's, let, let's dust off those parts of their brain that reminds them of what, you know, the, the things that they fell in love with all those years ago, but let's give them new compelling characters with different types of arcs. That's going to you know, breathe new life into it. You know, so that's why, but, yeah. but that's why, like, I, I feel like philosophically, though, he was very outright looking for, looking for how do I make people fall in love with this again? You know, what yes. was it that began the love affair? Yep. And so that's why it feels familiar, and that's by design, because he had to overcome the bad taste left in people's mouths by the prequels. So he had to like, let's get back to basics. You know. Yeah, and that's why I get excited about an idea of him handling a Superman type oh. character because you got to stop saying it <laughs> sorry because just all of the themes that go along with the origin of superman just yeah. are right in his wheelhouse <laughs> oh yeah uh and uh and, yeah and the scope of it and everything and i don't and i don't really mention, know go ahead no I, I just wanted to point out like not to mention like in the spirit of collaboration if we ever do want to have a world of dis of dc that feels somewhat more cohesive you know Abrams already has an established track record with Matt Reeves, who's doing the Batman. So if you talk about Abrams and Reeves, each of them working on, you know, one's working on a Batman trilogy, one's working on a Superman trilogy. I mean, that what better filmmaking world's finest could you ask for? To yeah. have those two be one phone call yeah. away from going, how do we, you know, how, how do we make these films, these characters make sense together? And maybe not do a versus movie again, but maybe have a movie where there is a world's finest team up or something. Like you got to imagine that Reeves and Abrams with their history together, you know, they did Cloverfield yeah, together. Absolutely. 
you know, they they came up together. So I, I, I get excited thinking about those middle of the night phone calls or one of them thinks about a neat way to have their Batman and Superman interact in a way. Yeah, it makes you know? all the sense in the world uh, to right? us. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and, yeah. and do it, but sure. All right. Well, as much as I'd love to keep on talking about <laughs> the potential for World's Finest with Abrams and, and Reeves at the helm of that, uh, I think it's time to close this anniversary episode up again. Mario, thank you. Thank you so much for yeah. everything that you've helped us with and uh, for being a part of the show. I'm sorry it's taken so long, no, but no, uh, it's a perfect way of, of sort of, you know, sort of dovetailing this uh, the close of our year. Yeah, so thank well, you. thank you so very much for having me. It was a pleasure. I'd love to come on again soon. I was telling Chris off the air, next time you guys have a wrestling-themed episode, I'd totally be in on that, too, because I am all elite. For sure. Um, but, yeah, so thank and happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary. Yeah, thank thanks you. so much. So, of course, uh, as we do with all of our guests, please tell us where they can find you on social media. Ah, yes, over on the Twitter, it's I underscore am underscore MFR. Uh, I've got my two podcasts, which have their own Twitter accounts, too. There's the Fanboy Pod, and there's the Revengers Pod. And uh, this week we didn't have a Revengers, but there will be a fanboy this Friday. So hope you guys check that out. And I'm also heading towards a milestone of my own. Next month we hit episode 100 of the fanboy. So I'm wow. looking forward to putting wow. that together. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, again, thanks so much, Chris. Uh, let's do some plugs and, and close the door to the garage and get out of here. Sure. So, of course, we always want you to join the conversation. You can find us on Twitter at the Fanboy Garage. You can find me on Twitter at Real Seal Mighty. And you can find me at Starting Sith on Twitter as well. Don't forget to please check out our Instagram page uh, at the Fanboy Garage on Instagram. And uh, be sure to keep it locked on the fanboygarage.com where you can listen to old episodes, buy some merch, contribute to the conversation via email. Um, and of course, best way is just to get at us on the Twitter, uh, have the conversation with us, something you like, something you don't like. Uh, please let us know either way. We'd love to keep that conversation moving. And of course, the best way for you to support the show is to leave us a five star review. So thanks so much for listening. And <laughs> thanks again, everyone who has tuned in to us for the year. Uh, and for those that are new to, new to the ride, welcome. Uh, we hope to give you some more stuff in the near term. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, everyone.